Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Said that time is finally here. That time is finals time. Yes, exciting stuff. Be good. Good times, good times. And we got an early taste on the weekend. A couple of absolute belters. One that we'll see again this weekend. The Roosters and the Bunnies really enjoyed that clash. Plenty of spite, plenty of physicality. You could feel that things heated up and went to that next level. Uh, obviously, on Sunday as well, we got a game to make the finals, which was as good as a final. Plenty of intensity in that one, mate, but the only person who went home happy, unfortunately for the Tigers fans, was buzzing the Sharks, mate. Yep. Well, uh... We went happy as well. Yeah. Well, we went to both games, so... Both our bets got up to our year bets. Yeah. Our best bet for the season. So, would you have again? You had the top four... Roosters, top four, Tigers and Missy 8. Apologies to Tigers fans, and I was death-riding them, unfortunately, the weekend, because I said at the start of the year there was no way the Sharks would miss the top eight. And or their overs unders, so I had either of those. Mind was... you, Bet Easy still haven't paid me. They've taken futures away from me. Well, that's and they still I've... haven't. They still haven't paid me. I got so... paid straight away, and I got my Roosters South so top four. I'm not sure what the drama is, but mm. I'm not impressed. Well, again, unless they're going to say that Roosters top four means that they have to get the third week of the finals. No. Which I think is ridiculous. But... No, I got my Quinella top four. Top four means was it a build a bet future? No, but top four is finishing. This says 29th of the 9th, 19 is when I get paid. Okay. So that's, that's the end of. So why they just. That's silly. Yeah, I've got no idea. It's a one bet, isn't it? One bet. You might have to get onto them about that one. But again, apologies to those Tigers fans. Unfortunately, again, fallen just short. But... Well, I've got some. I've gone through and did some looking at some stats today, and their stats are better than Brisbane's. So, <laughs> um, you know, and if Brisbane. And the Warriors uh, don't have a draw, so the Warriors win that game. Tigers are in. So there is a world there where the Tigers could have easily got in. They've just obviously haven't been able to clinch the deal. The, the ball was in their own court. They were in the control of their own, of their own destiny. But uh, there's there other results some, some other results that impacted them. About, yeah. so. uh, they lost that game to Canterbury. All the way back Mamorowski in early days. Missed that kick. They lost a very, very close game to your mob. Very, very close They lost game. twice to the Bulldogs. They got touched um, up by the Dogs after they started the ordinary number. Yeah, look, I don't think that was a game they were in, though. Uh, and then they lost one other that was... Well, they lost to Penrith by the via the field goal. Well, that game we were at. in the year, but they're the ones that come back to bite they them are. the ass. Last year, it was the Brisbane game, remember? With the controversial penalty goal. Yeah. That ended up burning them. But I still think, much like last year under Ivan Cleary, despite the CR ending, that Michael Maguire couldn't have got any more out of that roster and he did it without almost $2.53 million worth of the salary cap and a mm. bunch of guys that he inherited and I think he couldn't have got any more of that young group 
there's some real good signs there. I think the one thing we all know and Tigers fans know they're going to have to deal with is they're still under a salary cap situation where they need to move players out, obviously. So um, but just in general, that whole weekend I thought was a really good taster, especially a few of those games heading in. Was there a few Barry Crockers? Yep, but guess what? They also involve the teams that aren't going to be playing finals, and rightfully so. But we jump in as we always do, set of six first up, six questions, thoughts, statements, whatever we want to talk about. Number one to touch on, I think, straight away, Peter Volandis is going to be the new Rugby League Commissioner and the Chairman. Uh, for anyone out there, obviously this is one of those kind of left-field things that a lot of people may not know about or may not know a lot of, about the person, but I'm pretty sure if you read papers, listen to the media, all these bits and pieces, he's been mentioned and talked about and touted by journalists and lots of people within Rugby League and around the game for a long time. Yeah, he's actually saved the thoroughbred industry in New South Wales. Mm, that he's someone we uh, should be targeting, and now we've got him. He created the Everest. Uh, he did a lot of the renovating at Randwick. Um, he's essentially dragged thoroughbred racing into the new era, into the modern age, and he's got people back at tracks, uh, thinks outside the square, isn't a noted public speaker, doesn't sort of get on the front yeah, foot and say outlandish things, just he's the duck under the water, paddling away, not to be seen, but gets getting the job good done. things done. So, look, I, I like this in the fact that uh, I guess he's he's from a sports industry. If you if you want to, there's a lot of connections there and a lot of similarities. I he's like that. All about we business. haven't gone from you know John Grant, he was very much business. We've gone to Peter Beattie, he's very much politics. I think we fi- finally found someone who can really uh, help the game. But I feel as though we probably felt this way multiple times with new CEOs and new commission chairmen and, and a whole heap of people who were going to come into the game and help the game. I'm not too sure that anyone really has. So he's a great white hope at the moment, isn't he? Mm. Well, I think I, it's a great appointment. I, I, he takes over on October 30, so it's still a little bit to go. But, uh, yeah, I, I can only see good things ahead, I hope. Well, I go back on what you just said and say I didn't feel the same about John Grant, nor did I feel the same about Peter Beattie, but I think no, more no, what you're I saying. No, no, I didn't personally, but yeah, what I'm saying is everyone sort of blows smoke up everyone's ass that comes in. Mm. I think legitimately with this one you can you think, well, he's got some credibility. Well, this has got a track record in a similar industry, like you said, a sporting industry. Runs on the board. And the other big thing, um, which is one of the smartest things Peter Beattie said, is he's got business connections that he doesn't have. He's got clout in the top end of town, so hopefully for us... He's done media deals, he's done TV deals, he was good for country racing as well. He's someone who played country rugby league who wants to do better with grassroots. So there's a couple of key areas there that have been really struggling that hopefully he'll address. But number one, we're going to need more money in the game. We still need more money and we don't really attract... We need to stop pissing the money we've got well, up against the wall. That's the other thing start about with. getting someone like this. We've got no in. fucking assets. I can't mm. believe that. Compared to the AFL. Where... The AFL has bought a stadium. Mm. <laughs> We're quite poor in that regard. So, fingers crossed, Peter Valandis is the man to finally take control. I mean, the best thing I've heard, and the one thing I'm more excited about than anything, basically on your point, he's very, very big about where the dollars are going. So, I think there's going to be a lot of people at NRL headquarters and in other jobs that have been hiding for a long time who've been tucked away and maybe not having to justify their jobs. There's going to be a lot of people, I think, getting a tap on the shoulder. And anyone that's not doing something to earn a paycheck or contributing to the game is probably going to be on the way out of headquarters. So let's hope. Fingers crossed for Peter Valandis being a real positive for rugby league at a crucial time because that TV deal that we're currently in, I think we're halfway through and we've done fuck all with that as well. So fingers crossed this is a real positive. Uh, number two, I flipped my order here to get into the more important stuff on the back end. Ricky Stewart, re-signing till 2023. Still had a year to run on his deal, but they've given him three years on top. I know this year he's been outstanding uh, for the Raiders and he's done a really, really good job. I just kind of thought the timing 
and a year earlier was all a bit weird. That's all. Um, giving well, giving welcome extensions. To, welcome to, um, I guess, coaching appointments, isn't it? Like, tell me the last time a coaching appointment, like you sort of thought, okay, that makes sense. Well, look at Paul McGregor. He That's was what I was about to say. That he like got two years and now they're trying two to get years Des after they won three in a row, and then now they're talking about punting him. They yeah, Des Hazard Des before he even started his contract. This one, I get that he's had a good year, but there was a I couple just, of downs. I honestly just feel as though it doesn't matter what results that Ricky Stewart will churn out in the. I think now they're expecting results, but I think for the first three or four years there, they wanted the fabric of that club to come back, and they would just they were sold that he was the man to do it. So they were going to go through whatever hardship they needed to to get. I guess the ship uh, pointing back in the right direction and they've somewhat done that. I still think there's there's a lot of improvement and a lot of things that Canberra could still do to be better. Well, let's say two years in a row is probably the more important thing because yeah. we've already seen what you saw and I saw it with a lot of the guys that I played with. They went through a rebuild. He got rid of a lot of Deadwood and they like guys that they just used to re-sign for the sake of re-signing, like your Dane Tilsers, Josh McCranes, etc. When he got there... They did a two- or three-year turnover and blooded everyone, and they had that golden run in 2016, which was two years of suffering to get to that point. The problem was, on the back of that, obviously, we've had two seasons of disappointment. They've done another kind of mini clean-out, and I think we've said just as much. I think if he wasn't who he was within the Canberra setup, mm-hmm. and the fact they know him and they're a bit more patient, some other coaches maybe wouldn't have been as lucky to get two more years after that result. I'm yeah. glad they're going well. Canberra needs to be going well for the game, and they've been one of the best teams to watch this year. My only point is the timing for me is weird and three years on top of an extra year, like that's a long time. So you're basically saying again, right, right, more your point right now, moving forward, we're thinking we're going to be successful and he's the right man. I'm not saying he's not the right man for the job, but I don't think I would have been jumping in with three years right now on top of the year he already had. I think he's done a great job. But again, yeah. that's it's taken another couple it's of years to get back to this point. for the coaches to cash in when their value's at their highest. Yeah, so. and rightfully so, just like players, they're able to do so. I hope they do kick on. Obviously, they've had some good success with the rollover this year. The Poms, uh, the transition of Jack White into 5'8". They've found a couple more kids into their squad. So there's a lot of positives on that side of thing. Looking at their flag side, I think they've made it through to the prelim already. So there's a couple of kids there again. Uh, their cup side, a bit of an up and down year because of the injuries they had, but there's still some players sitting there. So the, things are looking quite healthy right now. And hopefully it continues more consistently, I think, is the real key thing when we're talking about Ricky Stewart yep. and that club. But great job by him. Um, but, yeah, I just thought the timing was a bit weird, that's all. And, yeah. <clears throat> uh, tackle three. Talking about on the weekend, two games that kind of, like I said, weren't exactly the greatest or teams that aren't playing finals just kind of summed up their seasons in general and where they're at. Dragons-Titans and Penrith-Newcastle, one of those games we went to. The other one we watched... The, the Dragons-Titans one just sums up exactly why they're last and second last. And I... It was barely a game of first grade, but I think the biggest point to take out of this, much like everything, all you hear week in, week out, those guys in the news. And the other game, obviously, Penrith Newcastle, those guys in the news. I think from the Dragons side of things, obviously, it started from day one and it's got to this point now. Now they talk about Gus Goulds coming in during the review and that's been spurred by Paul McGregor. People are already talking about him ending up in some kind of job. There's finally been a little bit of scrutiny thrown out this week about Ian Millwood and how he's got more control of the roster and everything going forward. But I think the big thing for them, much like everybody, is no more jobs for the boys. Obviously, they're clearing out a couple of seasons. I know Mary can be put in that category technically as well if you want to be fair income. But at the same time, they have 
lead competitions and I know they've fallen off the perch. Is that the coach? Is that the playing group? Clearly, they're going to find that out. But I think just moving forward for them, clean slate this off-season. Anyone that doesn't want to be there playing-wise, anyone that's complaining, go. Um, the Jack thing, again, I stick by what I said last week with a lot of people that want to hang him. A rookie coach coming into that right now with the possibility of what could happen in March is not something I'd want to face. No. So I think regardless of whether you want Paul McGregor there or not, for the situation at hand, I would be leaving him for now and see what they get out of this review. But no doubt next year, eight to ten weeks, he's under pressure if things don't turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the Titan side of things, when you're looking at just some of those guys and the zero effort, and again, I get I get frustrated watching every week because your side of things, but also just them as a the first-grade side and looking at some guys that are honestly taking the piss. The only thing I've got from here is Holbrook. That's I'm praying and hoping that Holbrook is the man and he can dig this out of the fire. And of all the things that bother me more... I've got no faith. I've got zero faith. Look, I, I love the appointment. Well, I what, just look at that team and go, how are you going to flip that roster? Well, what bothered me more than anything was Mal Meninga last week. It's like, again, we said at the start, what's his job? And what's he actually doing? It's like performance, culture and all this. And then he's spitting out names that we'd sign this guy and we'd sign them. I'm like, fuck, you've already got a salary cap. You can't problem. even keep Joy Arrow. And you're talking about guys you're going to buy. You need to keep Brimson... And Arrow, first of all. Well, Brimson resigned last week. And then you're talking about potentially destroying your salary cap by trying to steal hot talents of other clubs. Like, you think they're just going to come to you for market price? Well, they're not. Like, <clears> talking about his ass. And then, like, the David Fafita one, you've at least got to know what fucking high school he went to. He went to Keeper Park. Well, what did he say? Where did he say? He said he went to Palm Beach Crumbin and he's a Gold Coast junior. It's like, man. Yeah. But that, that role, again, what, what are you doing? And we talked about performance and culture. It certainly hasn't lifted since his review that got the coach fired. It's got worse. So, Plain and simple. The Titans have never been in a worse position. Again. At any time during their existence. Less talk. They're in a worse position yeah. now than what they were when a shovel hit the ground, mm. when they were first announced into the competition. Yeah. No. Their roster was better then because they had no one on their roster. Because their roster at the moment is dog shit. The talk. He's junk. Again, like, just shut the fuck up. Holbrook's job. Let Holbrook... And do, to, do to the players there, it's like your result, you won four games. With a roster. You won four games. That shouldn't be in that position. The four rock. games with a team that had how many Origin players? None. Or Jared Wallace played what well, one if game? If you want to go off their actual career or that No, this standard, year. This year, Jared Wallace. Jared Wallace Jai played Arrow. one game. Jai Arrow played one game, then got injured. Right? So during that period, we essentially had no one out. Like, so you, you would you would think in just in that period alone you could win two or three games because other teams have weakened. Mm. And look, I, I swore blind that they they roll someone late in the year, and probably the probably the closest they looked to rolling anyone was the Storm down at that day at Amy Park. They well, played a good first fair. half. And it was by eight on the weekend, but yeah, but yeah, okay, yeah. So mm. you could you could say that game, but yeah. And look, there's going to be I know come fair questions, and we haven't seen any yet, but. Mm. There's going to be questions about me and the Titans. Like, I'm not sure what people want me to say. I, I don't smash remotes anymore because I don't watch games. No. Well, I, think the biggest... I just I can't watch them play. So does that mean that I'm less of a fan? If that, I'm certainly not a fanatic because fan is short for fanatic. I'm not a fanatic about the Titans. I support the Titans, but I want to watch good teams play footy. And at the moment, the team I support, they're not playing good footy at all. They don't entertain anyone. No one turns up to their games. So I. I pay my membership. I'm quite entitled to have that opinion and to not watch them because that's essentially what I do. I watch them on time six on Fox. It takes 12 minutes. I don't stress about it. I turn it off. If we don't get beat by 30, I'm probably surprised Mm. because the effort from the player, like the body language of the players, 
the effort of the players, the little things that you, you know, as coaches, you sort of value and you, and you know that you need those little things in order to be successful, they have none of it. Zero of it. So that's probably all I'll say about the Titans. I, I'm not too sure why we keep going over the same stuff. We're just saying the same things about the Titans. They're, they need to shut up, get their uh, head down, ass up. They really need to have a really hard preseason. Probably a really good, good long hard look at themselves. To be fair, a lot of those guys. Do you want to play NRL? Because at the moment, you are what you put on tape. You are that's your CV. What you're doing on the field is your CV. At the moment, how many players for the Titans would other teams want? A handful. Brimson, yeah. Arrow, yeah. Wallace, maybe. Outside of that, Phil, Sammy, you Kelly, Fotawaka. Sam Stone's a baby, but we're not talking... Yeah, we're talking... Like, he's come from reserve grade at Newcastle. Mm. So, Mal Meninga, like, you're talking about you're going to be able to attract people. You're attracting reserve graders at the moment. Mm. So, like, let's get fair Nick. I think what they really need to do, what they really, really, really need to do is understand where they are. Understand where they are as a club. Because at the moment, you are the laughing stock of the league and you're pretending like you're not. You're pretending like you can attract those players. You have fucking no chance of getting an elite player. Mm. What elite player wants to go there and play? Again, unless... we had a semi-elite uh, sort of. We, we were going well when when Cherry Evans backflipped, and that's about as close as we've gone to signing a current NRL player who is in probably the top ten players in the game. I would say. Otherwise, people say Jared Hayne, please. He came back from NFL, stunk the joint up. We paid him a million. And to me, that's where all this started. Mm. And we've now yeah, hit I, rock bottom. I blew up we both blew up about it. They at derailed the time. it. And they went anyway. against the coach. But for those Understand two... where you are as a club. Understand where you are. Because at the moment, I think they all walk. There's no accountability. There's zero accountability. If there was accountability, someone would be kicking Melman Ingram up the ass, going, mate, shut up. And if you're going to talk, know your facts. Mm. And what is your job? Just get your head down, ass up, do your job. I mean, it's a bit. It's going to be a very big job for Justin Holbrook, huge job, and yeah. I don't envy his, his position because I certainly wouldn't sign up to do it. No, and for those two, I respect him straight off the bat just for even putting his hand up. I've got a lot of respect for Garth Brennan, regardless of, of what people think of him, and what how people or what sort of job people think he did. The cold hard facts are that side has gone fucking backwards since he left, so far backwards. They haven't won a game. They didn't win a game after he left. Their lost performance in a row, I think. was just—I think they lost yeah, ten in a row. Like seriously, you want to—you want to try and fob off that it was the coach that was the problem. It certainly wasn't the coach because the side was playing better when he was there, so he should never have been sacked. If they were going to move him on, they should have done it at the end of the year. Because Luke Burt and Craig Hodges, with all due respect, I mean yeah, Luke well. Burt's been an assistant and a twenties head coach for three or four years. He wouldn't know how to be a, be a head coach if he fell on it. And Craig Hodges, I, I don't know a lot about Craig Hodges. He, you know, he did, he did a fair job. But, <clears> well, apparently and, they... and also, as an interim coach, you don't want to walk in 10, 10 weeks before the end of the season because essentially you're kicking someone else's can. That's mm. nothing personal on Luke Bird or, or Craig Hodges, but they've been put in a position now where those that, that run of form that the Titans have just mm. produced sits on their sits CV. On, yeah. Well, Hodges so, has already been moved on. He's thanks, got... Mal. He's now going to be coaching in the Queensland Cup next year. He took the East Tigers job. So he's 
Obviously, Holbrook's got his own assistants or his own people coming in. That was always going to be his decision. I don't know what's happening with Luke Burt or that situation. I'd imagine Luke Luke Burt will be he'll get out of there. And if Luke Burt's even thinking about staying, all right, you run Luke. Because and for Brennan, I think the well again, it's only talk, but it was pretty well known apparently up there that him and Hodges didn't see eye to eye, which doesn't help as well yeah, when you've got help. an assistant that you've obviously doesn't got an issue help. with. But for those two clubs in particular, there's been way too much noise for different reasons this season. Both need just to go quiet. And the other game we talked about, Penrith-Newcastle, summed up their seasons as well. Two teams that started off with huge losing streaks, two teams that got on massive winning streaks, and then the back end of the year kind of went the same way. Penrith went up and down and zigzagged all over the map, couldn't find consistency. Newcastle just nose-dived, imploded, and then the same problem again. We had the noise, we had the player divide, the coaching issue, the CEO going off the rails. They're, you know, talking like they've got this list of coaches and other people they're talking to when they're already tampering yeah, with course. the other coach. We know, and... we know that. We've been over that. Uh, Penrith, to me, were never, ever a top eight side, really. You look at their stats, their stats are horrendous. Newcastle's, are, they're actually in attack. They're right up there. Defensively, they were disgusting. So uh, both those teams need to go away. And again, performance of players. Penrith, I... Well, I think for Newcastle, Penrith, again... I'm not sure. Like, do they, is, that a, is that a top four roster? People keep saying it's a top four well, roster. I didn't put him in the four to start the year when everyone said it was top four roster. And the main two reasons we talked about no, it was... No, I mean, based on this season. I'm not talking about what we said no, pre-season. Well, they flipped half their roster. Based on what I've just seen. Like... They flipped their half their roster. And I don't blame him for flipping the roster. But that's why, again, we talked the other week about targeted media yeah, but So where are they and... now? What are they going to do now? Well, they're... Are they back in a semi-rebuild? What are they doing? Yeah, my point is... Do you understand what I'm saying? I like, get like, that, but what did you want him to do? He walked into a situation that turned into a shit fight that Yeah, but what, what I'm saying is, even even at Penrith, I don't understand what the process is at the moment, where they're going, what they're doing, what's the goal? Are we are we trying to get rid of some of these, these bad contracts? Well, I think they've offloaded most of the ones they want to offload. Because publicly, they don't say a lot. They smother a lot. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I've, I've lost a bit of... Knowledge of direction. I, I also not being there, obviously, and knowing from inside the walls what the direction is. But there'd be a direction there, no doubt in my mind. I just, from the outside looking in, I'm just confused. I think where the direction's at the pretty clear. He got there, saw that the salary cap was it's a mess. Not clear was, at all because well, preseason they're sort of going, well, contracts. If we're going to we're going to win it, we're going to go top four. Clearly off the. We've rail. had the best preseason we've ever had. We've got no injuries, and then a month later, they're the the whole dynamic change based on results you can never let results influence your process and I, I just feel as though the results there have, have affected their process a little bit I think part of it's well, again what you just said though I don't think it's just results there's character issues and there's some other people no and that's that fine clearly didn't say eye that's to eye. fine and I, I just really think they could get on the front though, foot is when you take a job and you go in and you're trying to instill things and start a direction if people are pulling against you you fucking got well who's back. pulling against Cleary well, we've seen a few people being moved on for obvious reasons. I think they moved on more contracts. Money, not... Yeah, but it's also attitude, fitting in the group. You're going to do your job. Like, you can't have your top-end guys not buying into what you're doing. Yeah. Whether that be from an attitude perspective or performance. But... And who comes in Like who comes in and fills Maloney's boots? But year? I honestly think at that same token, though, like he said, they've looked at the salary cap. They were hamstrung. They were going to have Tain issues with go. Dylan Edwards isn't, isn't as good as Bettine to Lesniak. No, but at the same time, did, he didn't justify the way he was playing. He playing completely different to the Bulldogs. Well, right he wasn't now. playing in his preferred position. I, I don't know. Yeah, but if you're kicking stones and walk around and not answering the challenge the few games... But we don't know him, that. Well, he played a few games we at fullback, and I didn't think he was that good. No, he wasn't. But neither was Edwards. Like, Edwards no. made seven errors or whatever it was I'm in two you. weeks. 
But all I'm saying is I, I can kind of understand what's happened there because you've come into a situation you didn't create and shit flipped from the sex tapes onwards and you've yeah, got yeah. players supposedly in fighting, people punching each other's cars, blokes who don't see eye to eye. That's a situation you're not prepared for. But also when you've got a salary cap issue, some bad contracts and all that noise, I think he's done a pretty good job regardless. No, I'm not, I'm not having up. a crack at Cleary. No, but I mean what the I'm situation. Saying is, where I, are they? Where are they going? What's the, where, are they, where are they going next year? Well, I think all the moves they've made were to get some of those younger guys locked up. They've upgraded a few guys, but unfortunately... Because they still don't have a nine. I wouldn't say They don't have a, an established... Well, first, they don't have a first... He's not... I don't think he's a nine. Well, he's better than the hookers He's better got. than what they've got. Agree with that. And how many, good, how many good nines are there in the they league? Don't have, they don't really have a six. Who's going to play six? How many good hookers are there in the league, though? Well, Melbourne's point. got three. Yeah, three of them all locked up. <sighs> That's right. Like, don't tell me that there's not players out there. Yeah, you need to get your hands on them. But my whole point is, who's there's my fucking that, point. Who is the top tier of hookers though? Even at other clubs, there's not many. Well, it's clear there is elite nines getting around the competition. <sighs> well, I think there's much better than what Penrith forgot, and much better than Apicorosau. Anyway, in the key position, I just don't know where they're going. I'm a little bit confused. They, hopefully, they've got some really good youngsters coming through. Burton looked good well, when he played. We've seen nine debuts, so I think they've got um, a good crop coming through. Yeah, the problem again, is they need to they've finally... Got, they've, they, they did all this work to get players up to 70, 80, 90 first grade games because that was the number. The same problem, though. If they, and then they moved them all on. And then you, now they've got to do the same thing. They've got to try and get all these kids up yeah, to 60, when the 70. Rot, when the rot starts, what do you do? It's another two or three before. years. We saw the rot with Cartwright and Moylan when they get to that point. The big thing is, I think... But is, they, the club did that to themselves. They appointed them as captains to keep them. They're also paid players, but that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, the same thing happened again here, though. That. You I pay just... people because that's what they're going to get offered elsewhere. And when things turn, when they're things... not going anywhere, and then they're gone. When things turn bad, though, what are you supposed to do? <sighs> Fucking harden up a little bit and deal with it. Well, the players because are you just be everyone's that... well, as soon as you've got a problem, we've got to flip it. We've got to get rid of them. Does anyone not know how to work through an issue anymore? Well, the big clubs seem to be able to. And that's why that's exactly We're right. That's why they're in the top four in the players. The whole point. Clearly that's why they're in the top four. They need to do a better job, clearly, of judging character and person. Because a lot of people they're paying, it come Hang back to bottom on the arse. We're talking about a club that is priding itself on junior development. So if they can't get character um, judgments right, because they've got a lot of these kids from 16s to 21s, 22s when they make their NRL debut, no one's going to be able to get characterisation right. They've got six or seven years to make decisions on what sort of character they are. I just think... I'm confused with Penrith at the moment. Really confused. And then they come out and do what they did on the weekend. I, Nathan Cleary, that's as good of a game as he's played. Again, he's, he doesn't have a lot of support around him. There's not a lot of shape around him. They're running the same shit shapes that they were running in 2013, 2014. Well, it's going to be his side next year, I think. It's, that's not a crack at Cleary. I... It's funny when he straightens up and runs and has the odd short pass and someone to go to the line with what sort of damage he can do. And he, he often carries the backpack of shit that Penrith are lumping at the moment. I, I think a lot of that is because of his old man and, and the contract that he got and the way that he got to the club and the fact that people are just jealous and, and don't like the kid. But he works hard, he shuts up, he doesn't do anything controversial. I just, yeah, outside of, outside of him and... I don't know. It's going to be an interesting off-season, I think. Hopefully, they can come out and play a little bit better next year. But there's a lot of confused Penrith fans. A lot of confused Penrith fans. 
I bet. But I also think, like I said, it was a shit show. And I think the result at the end of the day... Nine, Still a shit show. Nine debutantes, a bit of salary cap room, a move to get a hooker that I think is definitely an upgrade from what they've got. The biggest thing for them to address, obviously, in the off-season is one. One is Edwards, the but one... But didn't they sign forward. Wade Ingen? Didn't they, they? He didn't sign. This is my whole point. Didn't it's they sign con- Mitch Kenny? They signed Mitch Kenny, but Mitch Kenny was bloody playing under 20s and a greenskeeper who plays lock. They've got him there for bare minimum top 30. Yeah, He's okay. done a pretty good job. I don't have a problem with that for your top 30. But Wade Egan was another deal again that he didn't do. That's a big money move that was done in, previous. If you get an injury and you can come in and, and he's not going to be able, be able to win your big games. You still need players anyway, in the top 30 to come get to the job. But look at it, compare it to Melbourne, compare it to Roosters, compare it to those sides. They're still not there. That's the point. Well, I and think that's where they're supposed to be. That's where, Burton, that's where they're going. If Burton has a big off-season and that was only one game and the fact they've got Luai, I think there's an alternative there to possibly move Luai to fullback. Yeah. You get definitely more creativity. We've seen a glimpse of Burton. They seem to complement each other quite well. I think Maloney and Clear, it's pretty obvious that that never really worked that well. It will be Nathan's team. Coruscant gives them something they're not getting out of their nines right now with the fact you actually have to be accountable for Coruscant because he'll play square, he'll run, he'll actually manipulate a little bit around the ruck, whereas right now they're basically just getting dish servers off the ground. So I think that sort of stuff's kind of been addressed. The other debutantes, some of the shuffling around, I don't think all their moves are finished yet. Campbell Gillard obviously finished the year Somewhat better, but Isn't whether, he? he's, he's going to be gone. Well, they keep saying that was the case of what they wanted to do. But he's gone. That's all kind of gone stale, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But on the Newcastle side of things, that just nosedive, and I hope for Adam O'Brien's sake, when we're talking about all the noise, uh, the way they finished the year, considering some of the strong characters and the rep players that they've produced, that's that's a hell of a situation also to be walking into. And I hope they make some decisions in the off season. They should be embarrassed when they you compare be. when you compare the players again. You compare the Tigers roster to the Knights roster. Like, that's unbelievable that the Tigers got anywhere... Well, they finished ahead of Newcastle. That's unbelievable. So the job that um, McGuire's done, and, and more the players. The players have just busted their ass. Played with, as you said before, probably 25% of their salary cap in reserve grade. Josh Reynolds really only just came back in the last well, few Madeline games. Matt Packer weren't and even playing reserve they grade. They were injured. Well, yeah. And, well, they were playing reserve grade at some some point during oh, the season. Ages ago. But they were frozen out. The games. They, they, they certainly playing. weren't playing NRL is the point. No, I know. So, they've been available for at least two yeah, months each. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're sitting in, in reserve grade, but they're, they're not playing. They need no. to be on the field. That's what an effective salary cap looks like. So Newcastle really, it's from a player's point of view, need to go away and take a good hard long look at themselves and again Adam O'Brien he's got a good roster on paper but paper doesn't talk to the things that we've just spoken about at Penrith and again how they all mix together and players the dynamic culture like, where we're going Caelan Ponga was moving out of the way of tackles on the weekend we were watching live mm. there, was a, there was a try there I can't remember who scored it right in front of us on the hill and Caelan Ponga was in front of the man coming towards him and he moved to the side and just tried to strip the ball out it was disgusting mm. and he wants a million and a half a year I, at the moment, I'd let him walk. See you later. Well, they don't have to because they've got him on a contract Well, that's anyway, right. So it's not the time for him But, to I be... mean, you want an upgrade, mate. Play better. Mm. It's same deal. Less noise, less media. A million. If you want a million and a half, Group your team split. should be sitting in the top four and you should be the best player every yeah, week. Better want to win the fucking Dalian medal if you want a million and a half dollars. Well, that's Plain fair point as well. Common theme across all those. Noise, player stability, group stability, boards catching, just all around. Less noise, hopefully, in the off-season from a couple of those teams. But in particular... Newcastle and Penrith for two teams that were probably well, the, should have been finals teams. The Dragons particular. are now going to go through a review with Phil Gould. We said at the start, so, so yeah, well, yeah, like, see what's going to happen. There. That's that's the point. Like, 
I think the big one again, I know Dragons he, fans. But what I found interesting there is he came out and guaranteed Paul McGregor's job. So why are Paul they doing McGregor's a review? invited him in to do it. They want to look at everything else, apparently. I don't know. But what if, what if he then goes in, does a review, and goes, well, he's a problem? It just Apparently he's doing the review with him. I don't fucking know. No, I'm just saying, it's like, saying, that's the whole purpose of, re- of a review. Is, reviewing is everything. To ga- is to, yeah, I understand everything. that, but to gather the information and then make a decision and talk about who's responsible. Like, you can't make comments about people's jobs when you haven't gone in and done the review. Mm. Uh, strange one as well. Yeah. All right, tackle four. Sharks, Tigers yesterday, that whole occasion, the drama prior to kickoff, that was amazing. It was oh, crazy. craziness. The place was absolutely packed. To the rafters, just under 20,000, but sold out. We're on the hill there. Felt like 60. Absolutely mental. Uh, one of the best experiences you can have, as we've said before. If you ever want to... One of those must-do <coughs> must, must do experiences as a rugby league fan is to go to Leichhardt, particularly on a Sunday afternoon and watch a game of football. But just, yeah. He, we left with 25 to go. He was gone, and there was talk the day before that he pulled out lame in the captain's run, and they were trying to play it off and take it in there. Then next minute, he's gone. Corey Thompson pulls up lame. They have to make a late reshuffle there with Momorowski going to fullback and Cheekham to centres, which Maguire didn't look like he was too happy about, obviously a little bit rattled. And Robbie ends up on the bench with Reynolds. And I guess just the whole day, the whole occasion was absolutely outstanding. Clearly not the result that they were looking for with a fairy tale finish. But but they also couldn't trot their best side out, which is difficult. That late change. Particularly when, again, as we said, you've got 25% of your salary cap sitting on the sideline. So you're already up against it anyway. And then you've got all these reshuffles and... It was disrupted. Mm. Well, you've got a back row playing centre and a centre who's never played fullback base. Momorowski's always been a centre winger. I mean, he might have played some part in grade, but not in first grade at fullback. Yeah, I've so never seen him play. It was a big ask. Um, but for Robbie, it's all over. 300 plus games, Australian Caps, New South Wales. Uh, he was pretty bloody good during a period of time there for New South Wales. He's had a stellar career, won that premiership obviously early on. Yeah, I, I, and I said it and I'll say it again. I thought there was, a, there was probably a, a 12 to 18 month period a two-season period where he really, really pushed Cameron Smith uh, as that gong was the best hooker in the game. and uh, Smith's obviously done it for 15 years, but Farrah really got close to him at one point in time there. and uh, I think it was fitting for him to go back after all the stuff that happened with Jason Taylor and the exit and you know all the stuff we've been through. But I think- for him to be able to go back, play, finish that way at Leichhardt, he's probably... If, if, if you would have said that's the ending you're going to get when he sat on the scoreboard and he, it was on his way out, he would have signed that deal every day of the week. So yeah. I know he, he only got the last 20 minutes and he'd been injured, but that's the game. He still got... He, he got still a better, got his farewell. He, he still got, got a farewell. Yeah. And he got another couple of seasons after thinking it was all over playing reserve grade for South. So it worked out pretty bloody well. Isn't it funny that Gallon, last home game, got rolled in a close one. Farrah, last home game, got rolled. rolled. Those boys have lost so many Origin series as well. You think the bloody god, would, the footy gods, had shone on them for one day? Mm. Well, they rolled in the Sharks and they got the job done. They fumbled a couple of games this year, goal kicking, scoring more tries, still dropping the result, but they find themselves in the finals. But that was a great occasion. And probably, probably playing the side that you'd most want to play, really, wouldn't you? Who would you rather play if you're one of the bottom four teams? Probably Brisbane. I think it's worked out well you don't for want to play them. Para. They're playing a team that's been ravaged by injuries, mm. so it couldn't have worked out any better. They've lost their two back rollers, and considering they're the probably their best three players, one of their worst records is against Manly at Brookvale. I think they said it yesterday: thirty-nine games, 39. they've only won like five. So yeah. 
it's a place they've struggled to win. But if they don't win this, they're taking the piss. Let's be all honest. And I'm not saying discrediting Manly. I think Manly will drag him into a shit fight. Manly still. have limped in, yeah. But it's Manly's just, best side. If I'm tipping Manly every day of the if week. If they're dead set, they should win this game. Yeah. The Sharks. And they've done it the hard way to get there. And if you give those other results, like we said, and I still give credit, they did have a massive injury toll themselves mid-year. They probably were a top four side. But they've made it very, very hard for themselves in the back end. And I think the sadder part, and we said this multiple times, they look better when their younger players were in in that period where they were winning. Some of those older guys come back in, I think, have kind of let them down, mm. uh, in all honesty. So let's see how they go in the finals. But number five, tackle five for this week, all the drama and suspensions. Like, there was some absolute corker games in the weekend, but there's some big names and some results have been coming in while we've been on air because we're doing this a bit late. Uh, Ronaldo Mulitalo, obviously the shoulder charge on the weekend for Luke Brooks. He took an early guilty plea. He's been absolutely outstanding since he's got in this last month or so. He was close to the best player on the field on the weekend. Well, he's uh, he's going to be out for a week. And he caught a bit of a spray on social media as well. I think Josh Alloway tagged him in something and said no class about the way he kind of carries on and beats his chest and yells after he scored the try and all the rest of it. So a few blokes, a, bit touchy. a few players, not a big fan of Mulitalo and the fire. I like the aggression. I do think, again, like, there's a difference between I didn't have a problem with anything. aggressive and banging on your chest, but he's uh, going to be missing for a week. Uh, Hudson Young is in right now as we speak, so we're going to have to wait and see what happens there, but they've entered a not guilty plea, and I think he's taken the piss if he thinks he's going to get off on that, and just quietly going back to Ricky Stewart before, probably should have mentioned it, how he kind of wanted to defend that or deflect, I think he's kidding himself as well mm. to say that he didn't. I get, he didn't intend to gouge, he wanted to rip at the ball. Like, mate, he had two goes. And he was nowhere near the ball. Yeah. He got faced both times. The first time, he only kind of clipped him with a pinky, but the second time, he kind of hooked into the eye. Adam Pompey put up the Instagram thing. Yep, yeah, I get that. And players look out for each other. And he may have not got him directly in the eye. But the fact he went at his face twice uh, with however much malice or intent, it was just fucking stupid after he got benefit of the doubt the first time. And I felt bad for him, honestly, the first time. I didn't feel bad because it was a bloody evil eye gouge on Aiden Tolman. But I'm all looked at Maguire getting three times before he copped anything for it and thought, wow, you've been hit with a... You know, baseball bat. Yeah. But the fact that he's now attacked the face a second time after already having a five-week ban, like, you got fucking rocks in your head. Really, what are you doing? Yep. Uh, the other one's Marty Tapow. They took a week, so he's going to be out. Like, he should have signed that deal every day of the year. Mm, that's obviously a massive blow for them. Kane Evans is going to be out for Parramatta. I think they went in there knowing that he was getting a week regardless, so they're... They've challenged that one. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but I'm pretty sure he'll be finding himself on the sidelines for a week. What are they What are they arguing there? I think they're trying to get a downgrade. I don't know if the downgrade even gets him off, but they're going in there for that reason. Maybe it helps out with the loading. Sam Burgess, this one's polarised a lot of people, and some people are saying, ah, oh, he bloody pulled his hair. Well, how about the chokehold on the way down and the almost borderline head slam before him? No one wanted to highlight that point. My wife said that last night. And I love she Sam said, Burgess. They, they're getting upset about the... Forget the fucking the hair, hair pull. pull. She's like, what about the stuff got before pat- it? And again, just like... Honestly, I love Sam Burgess and I love the way he plays, but a guy that's on a million dollars to get suspended as much as he has in the way loading is going these days, I'm not a big fan of loading, but you're borderline getting into the Morley zone. If you're going to get pinned four or five times a year consistently... Yeah, but Morley never got done for anything like that. No, I know that, but I'm more saying the way the game's going now, where they're cracked down on absolutely everything, like just little niggling things and loading, you can't pay a guy a million dollars who goes to the judiciary four, five, six times a year. Yeah. Like, at some point, the penny's got to drop, and I love the way to play aggressive, but don't play fucking dumb. There's a difference between channel aggression and stupidity. And it'd be like, oh, you only bloody pulled hair. It's like, well, he was lucky he got off last time and he fucking knocked Matt Moylan out. And now we're here carrying on like he's Johnny Cleanskin and he deserves to get off for this one. Like, you've had enough warnings during the year, which has led to this point right now, where anything of contrary conduct, whether it seems stupid or not, 
is going to put you in this situation, and it has. So just don't put yourself in that fucking situation. Plain and simple. Simple. I'm making excuses for it. Like, you've been charged multiple times. The fines are gone. Like, you can only be fined so many times. That's how bad you're going this year. Yeah. Pull your fucking head in. Like, I don't really see what's hard and understand about it. I can't defend him. And yeah, I, a little hairful, but it's because of all your prior actions. And again, very lucky last time with the Moylan thing not to get a week or two there. Considering I've got no upset. sympathy for him. No, I've got no sympathy. It's multiple, multiple, multiple. But then on the flip side of that, a lot of South fans will probably get offended now and be like, ah, oh, Jared Ray Hargroves got off, and you bloody are biased towards Jared Ray Hargroves of the Roosters. Well, I'm not, but as a forward, I don't have a problem with the fact that Jared Ray Hargroves got cleared because I've been in that situation before where you're approaching a tackle and someone changes their level. To me, he didn't wind the arm up, and I'd make the argument that if he actually got the arm up in a proper swinging action was going to inflict more damage, he could have done more damage. Yeah. The arm was to the side. He dropped down. I think he's more pushed the head into that head clash that ended up happening for Liam Knight. So him getting off, I don't have a problem with. Me either. And with his rap sheet, again, I think a lot of people yeah, thought he there had was zero no, There was no swing. There was no intent. Uh, the damage was really done with the head clash. I, I don't have an issue with it. No. So there's a few... Big names, obviously, though, like we're talking about, that ended up at the judiciary, and it's going to affect a couple of sides. But, yeah, Sam Burge is going to miss. Tapiao already hurting a depleted Parramatta side. Kane Evans, they've got to reshuffle there. They get Nathan Brown back from his suspension this week. Muli Talo, um, that hurts. But, obviously, I think Matt Moylan isn't likely to be back this week, so they'll probably push Dugan or Morris there to cover up for that. So that kind of worked out okay for them. And the Hudson Young thing, having a look here, I think it's still... Still... Under wraps. Yeah, they're still still in there. I'll tell you the one, the other issue that's probably flown under the radar this week is the Tongan uh, International Rugby League Board. John Hopawade, I'm not sure who, if anyone follows him on Instagram. He's gone to town. He wants to kill the people on the, on the Tongan Rugby League Board. Well, apparently they've extorted board. money and ruined business, other businesses. $40,000. And they're saying that the players, uh, all of the players, um, or a whole stack of the players have said that if it's not sorted out and these guys don't stand down. You haven't seen the letters? That they're, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That they're going to stand down by what for the nines and any international games at the end of the year. They're so going to ruin the whole. They're going to ruin what they've, just, what they've done. What they've just really a built. A couple of greedy pricks coming in, trying to take control of the board and capitalising the money. So there you go. Seven tackle set. We kicked dead this week. Well, we only forgot one last one, but I was going to say the finals just in general to finish off. I was going to start with this one, but I really think we've got a crack of series to start off. I think the games have worked out very, very well to get the Roosters South clash. Week one, I think, is awesome, especially after what we saw last week, and that had some absolute fireworks. The Storm, the Raiders, that's a rivalry that's kind of built up, especially over more recent times. you got Ricky Stewart up against Craig Bellamy. They rolled him after Melbourne had the 18-point lead, so I'm looking forward to that again down at Amy Park. Brisbane Eels, a controversial finish the other week. I know the Broncos were ordinary on the weekend, but the Eels feel like they were robbed in that game. There was a bit of feeling towards the back end of that. Uh, and and also, flip that side. now flips from Suncorp to Bank West, which is a huge advantage for Parramatta, and that place will be rocking on Sunday, Arvo. And then you've got the Battle of the Beaches, and you've got two teams <laughs> that like to get down and dirty and will beat the shit out of each other. I know there's a lot of people missing for Manly, but I have no doubt they'll drag that into a shit fight, and we might see it. Oh, yeah, there might, be, there might be 40 penalties in that game. Oh, I look forward to it. So I think things have worked out absolutely outstandingly. Brock, one last time, uh, brought to you by the Penrose Solar Centre. It's our power rankings heading into the finals of who you think is most likely. So we have to list the eight teams? One to eight, who you think is most likely to win the comp, basically to who is the least likely. And as we said, this is always brought to you by Penrose Solar Centre. We're getting closer to summer. Things have already heated up out here in the Rift. 
get on board, get a system, help your back pocket, and help yourself. Jake and the crew there, they're absolutely outstanding. So don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Penrose Solar Centre are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar energy experience. When it comes to tackling your electricity bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call them today, 1800 20 29 30, or visit www.penrosolar.com.au. Thank you to Jake and the Penrose Solar Centre. Brock, number one for me, still the Roosters. Well, I've got 1A, 1B. I can't split Roosters Storm. Well, I can't either, but I'm still going to give them a tag. I think if it come down to it... I'm, not, I'm going tiers. One one and two, Melbourne, Roosters, anyone outside of them. And, and the second tier would be Raiders, Rabbitohs. I'd fall over if anyone outside those four won the comp. Well, I've got Storm uh, at number two. Yep. Uh, my number three right now, and only because of what I've seen the last few weeks, but now some injuries and the dumb suspensions kind of hurt them, I was going to have South, but I'm going to leave Raiders at three for the time being. Yeah, right. if I had to rank them, I'd have Raiders ahead of um, Raiders ahead of Rabbitohs, yeah. yeah I've got the but r- Melbourne, I was looking at the stats today, like Melbourne and the Roosters, Melbourne are first, and second, uh, first in O and D, Roosters are second in O and D. The Storm have got a significant uh, advantage in terms of points conceded, but I do think the Roosters have got lazy and a little bit lax in I a couple think of games. The Roosters have had a lot more to um, deal with this year as far as they injuries, have. So origin, than I Melbourne. cut them some slack. They're only 60 points off Melbourne, but they're significantly ahead of everyone else. And I also think Melbourne's probably boosted their attack. I don't think it's as good as the Roosters and the fact they've teed off on a few poor sides, which is what Melbourne do very well. What I would say is I think Melbourne have played more consistently for long periods of time in games. Well, there's, I'll put it this way. There's but when s- they face each other, we've had two absolute... Look, absolute corkers when they've played each other. There's only been six teams in the NRL era that have won 20 games and four losses. Melbourne owned four of those. And this team, out of all the other three times that we've done it, let me tell you, to me, is the least heralded of all those sides. So this side, very, very young, lots of changes, different halves, pairings. And how do you get heralded? Three different... You win win the call, and then you are heralded. We had internationals and other guys in 2017. Yeah, but what I'm saying is these boys, a lot of these guys will go on to be internationals if Mm. they win the call. All I'm getting at is like, for Melbourne, there's been a lot of chopping and chain as well this year. There's obviously the constants of Craig Bellamy, the forward pack somewhat, and you've got Cameron Smith, which really helps, but they've had different centre pairings. They've had three different fullbacks. We've rotated guys through the bench kind of set up to try and see who's right. Like They've used a lot of players in and around that system. And you also have to keep come, come through. Like, Justin Olam's playing great footy this well, past yeah, month. He He's didn't come. get his opportunity until the last six weeks. Yep. That's the beauty of the system. Like for some Well, he people. was in and out, yeah. And, and when he was in and out, I sort of thought, Ugh, I don't really like him. But mm. the last six weeks, he's come on leaps and bounds. So. But top four. For those, but those two are just clear clear mm. ahead, yeah. Top but four we're basically settled on. So yep. Raiders at three, South at four. For me, the first one on the outside of those sides, yep. and I'll give it to them purely because they've been more consistent than the Sharks this year, I'll say the Eels. I'll say the Eels, but I think I think the Sharks their to home me. their home field advantage is significant. Yeah, the fact away. of the matter is they win this weekend, they're away for the rest, baby. Yeah, and so me. and we, they're probably hoping that um, well Melbourne Canberra where do they go if they if they do win that game? Probably shouldn't know that. I've got the list here which tells you where they play if they, if they do well, I think win. the Melbourne, Canberra play the Roosters, uh, the Eels or Broncos. So there you go. They're going to have to travel. They're going to have to go to Canberra or, or Melbourne, Melbourne the following week. Yeah. And on the flip side, and I think this is going to be happening, Roosters or South, if they get into a bloodbath again and have to go play Cronulla, that's not a fun game because Cronulla don't care where they play. So I, I honestly think, and now having them at number six, yes, they've been yeah, consistent Cronulla, well. all year. Yes, they've had players in and out. Sean Johnson's been in and out. Matt Moylan's only supposed to come back this weekend. 
the forward back's been up and down, but the quality across that list and that team, I've been adamant all year. That was my dark horse. I still think if they get through week one and one of these teams comes to them busted... I don't want to play... If I'm I the or, the, or South... I could see Sharks in a prelim. Yeah. I really could. I honestly could. So You go, oh, you're great. If, things, if, if, if the right day comes, and I'm not saying it will because they've been up and down this year, but I'll tell you what... The other thing is, they've just played a semi-final. It's not a situation That was a semi-final. As much as you want to say the Roosters-South game was a, was a, a preview for a semi-final, there was nothing on the line for either, either team. In that, the game that Cronulla just played, hostile environment, they played the huge game the week before as well against Canberra. They've essentially played two semi-finals mm. leading in. So And goal-kicking hurt them more than anything the week before. Jesus Christ. Sean Johnson kicked very well on the weekend. Yep. Number seven for me, I've got the Broncos just oh. ahead of Manly, and it's purely I've because got of... neither. Well, seven or eight, I think they're both likely going to be gone this weekend. But the Broncos obviously got that win the other week. And for Manly, it's purely injuries. <laughs> no disrespect to Manly or any of their fans. But I tell you what, if they can pull the win off this week, I still can't see them getting any further than week two. But they've had a great season. But it just couldn't have happened. All these injuries couldn't have happened at a worse time. They fought through gradual injuries during the year and rolled players over and covered for positions. But to have a glut, a savage glut of injuries at this point in time... Front row suspended, both your edge back rowers out, the replacement edge back row. They've had some injuries in the back line, then a key player at fullback. Like, it's crippling. It really yeah. is. So, there you go. Final power rankings for the year. Game reviews last time. Oh, get let's get these. through these. A lot of these will be nice and quick. There's a couple of games that were good, a couple that were ordinary. You say that, but you can't help yourself. You can't help yourself as <laughs> let's well. Go. You're going on a Titans tangent like you did for 10 minutes before. That's okay. Every time people I want, people want to hear that. South Roosters. This was a cracker game. Uh, South had that dominant period for 10 or so minutes at the start, and the Roosters just absorbed nicely despite that territory and possession. And suddenly they flipped it, and like any good team does, when you find a spot to stab, you keep stabbing it while it's bleeding. And I thought they found that with Manu on Gagai. He gave him an absolute bath early mm. on there and kept pushing him backwards and creating opportunities. And the try that he scored, where he got basically on the outside, pushed Gagai back, got the winger in, and wrapped his rubber arms around the back. It was a perler, but the simple fact of the matter is, for that dominance that the Roosters suddenly flipped on him and started to choke him out, they didn't bank enough points. Well, they like, bombed two tries. Bradley they dropped two tries clean over drop. Latrell did drop. the old throw forward while he was going into score, and they should have gone into half time probably 22 4 or 24 4 up. And start of the second half, you kind of got the feeling after the first five minutes they might go on with it, and then South just completely flipped their game plan. They were playing one half a side of the field. Basic one out, slow play. The ball was trying to shift off it and get nowhere. They just kicked in the front door. They just started going to the middle. And like we talk about, too many teams, when they get one quick play, the ball want to shift straight away and it doesn't work. South just kept kicking in the front door, kept kicking in the front door and pushing themselves upfield and scored back-to-back tries. They got that quick one and then they scored literally the set after points, 100 metres, and that's it. Where Cooks just jumped through off the quick play of the ball. Murray's always around there and has the quickest play of the ball in the competition in Cody Walker pushing up on it and I thought also second half that has brought more attitude they yeah. punched the Roosters in the mouth uh, I still give some credence to the fact there were some players on the field for the Roosters that won't be playing this weekend and they've got three or four guys back in still not got Jake Friend but full credit to South and I think again the last few weeks they've slowly shown some signs of life and more than anything they've shown fight and passion like there's been a complete lack of intensity for that little lull period they had and I didn't know if they'd get it back but I certainly think they found some fire at the right time do I think they can win the comp? I'm still not completely sold on that, and I don't think they're as talented as, in particular, the top two sides. But I thought there were some good signs there. But Sam being suspended this week, that certainly hurts. George has been included in the reserve. Tom's back this week. Those two are going to have to step up to help out Liam Knight and Tatola, who I think have really 
carried a decent load this week and Dane Gagai's out. They get Jimmy the Jet back on the other side, so Campbell Graham will cover, but it also feels for them that they've had no stability this year. Every time something seems to be good or someone comes back and settles in, they have to change something again. Yeah. But Cameron Murray in this game was exceptional. Uh, I heard Joey on the coverage question when he pushed him out to the centres and thought, well, I don't know how much you've watched Cameron Murray play football, but he could play anywhere from centre into the middles, play at 6-9. Cameron Murray's a freak, and I think he proved a pretty bloody good point that defensively he's outstanding. Yeah. He tackles those guys in the middle. He's smart enough to play on an edge. And he defended absolutely exceptionally on the edge in the second half. He smoked uh, Billy Smith, cut down Manu a couple of times. Like He just absolutely patched up that edge that they were bleeding in the first half when Gagai was busted. So, good win, good result. Rooster side of things, like we said. JWH, well, they're obviously. playing this week. So. Yeah. JWH, he gets off. Uh, and then they've obviously got some bodies coming back this weekend. So, that's going to help out from them. On the south side of things, a bit of a reshuffle. Sam's the big one, though. But... They need Murray, Cook, those guys to fire again this week. Eels, Manly. I think probably the thing for this one for Manly, and we see this all the time, when they get a fast start, they look good, but they need to go on with it. And coming into a game like this weekend, again, if they get a fast start on the Broncos, they need to keep kicking the door down. They jumped out of that quick lead on Manly, and you thought things were going to completely unravel, but Manly being the side they are, they ground. They held themselves back into this game. They're two front rowers again, rolling up field, created opportunities, Farnu. Grabbed a couple of tries, and for a bit there, it got tight. They obviously kicked away, and Mike Sivo in particular, exceptional, gets that hat-trick and ends up being the top try scorer in the competition. But Parra can still just kind of ebb and flow in and out of games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They can. Um, hard game to get a read on. Manly, aside from that 20-minute period like you outlined, they look like they were just coming to get him for the rest of that game. And... They were probably a Tom Trebojevic away from winning the game, to be fair. Even with the sin bidding, it was another um, game where we saw a team get sin binned uh, and the other side just not take advantage of it. Um, strange old game. I, I don't know whether to think more of Manly because of that game or just think Parramatta may be a little bit nervous. Uh, thought the game was probably in the bag when Sivo scored his uh, second try, but... They really just took the foot off the pedal and then you had... Um, who got Sinbin? Was it Alvaro got Sinbin? No, Evans got Sinbin. Sorry, yeah, Evans, so got, Evans got Sinbin. And Tapao obviously with 12 knocked out to go stone. And they were eight behind. So it's... And Manly scored. Sivo scored a late try to, to seal it. But he was clearly the best player on the field, I thought. Michael Sivo, he was... That's one of the best games I've seen Michael Jennings play as well. He played really, really well. Paulo, really that good edge. game. Rolled up field, four or five offloads in the middle, and I thought Dylan Brown had one of his better games. He's still got to remember. Yeah, he's 18. He's 18. A lot of people are going, oh, yes, he had stress fractures in his back and he's 18 years old. Like In a couple of years, with some development, if they keep a good side around him, he's going to be exceptional. It's not fair that he's playing. For no, week it's in, not. Week out first but grade. the scary thing is, he doesn't make a whole lot, doesn't do a whole lot wrong, and he's only 18 oh, years right. old. So get, get all that. He's got so much hard. to learn, but he's so good. I think the only concern I had here was two spots defensively where they got picked apart. Moses has been so much better this year defensively. He missed eight tackles on the weekend, and Reed Marnie. He's obviously a small man. He throws his body in front, but the big guys from Manly did an absolute number on him. We've well, got this the most weekend, in the NRL. Mm. But this weekend, again, if you're going to miss eight or nine in the middle, he's going to cop it again from Payne, Haas, Lodge. They're obviously going to get Fafita dropping back under. They're going to go after him again as well. So on those two, that's probably something they've got to tighten up. Manly, you can't question the desire in that side. Uh, the props, again, great. Farnu, everyone across the field. And they lost players during this game as well. 
Uh, like we said, the sin binning, Paseca, he couldn't come back on Syrian and he's got the hammy problem. I'm pretty sure he's out this week, so they just fight over a bone. Storm Cowboys, uh, honestly, pretty scrappy game. Cowboys showed a lot more effort and intent, but again, it's a bit easier when your season's over and there's not a whole lot to play for. I didn't think Melbourne ever really got out of second gear, but any time the Cowboys kind of dragged themselves back in, I think Melbourne just pushed away again. Uh, Nelson, I thought was excellent. It was a difficult game to watch. Had some real good form coming to the finals. Pappenhausen had 31 runs for 300 metres. It's well and truly been solidified that that's the fullback. My thing is, I, we haven't looked yet, but I'm assuming that he named Hughes as the halves pairing. But looking at that last week, I think the big thing you take out of it is he set up one of the tries off the boot, yes. But his all-round kicking game is not as strong as what Brodie Croft's is. But Brodie Croft has more try causes as effect of his decisions, not his actual tackle making, to that right edge, which had us the worst defensive right edge in the competition. So obviously you'd rather be stronger defensive rather than someone who, again, I don't think was contributed enough in attack to justify his position either. Whereas Jerome Hughes may be a little more basic in the way he's going to play as a half, but if he's holding down that right edge, I'd rather, you know, not concede two or three there every single week than score. Mm. So clearly that's the way they're going to go. He's tough as all hell. It's tightened things up there. They've got a nice new dynamic attacking edge on the other side of the field where Will Chambers used to be. Olam and Addo Carr have formed a nice partnership there. You've got Will Chambers back on the right, defending where he was, along with Hughes, which has made that even stronger along with Felice Cafusi, so that's the way forward for Melbourne. No doubt about it. Cowboys side of things, I guess, moving into next year, uh, same deal. They just need a clean off-season. They've got to make a decision. They need to find a fullback. On a few things, and they, they can't Five have eight. this situation again. They had the Barber situation. They had Nene and McDonald get injured and quit halfway through the year or that issue where he got fired. Felt didn't start the season healthy, and they had too many old bodies again. But they've made some decisions for their future with a couple of younger guys. Mitch Dunn, been injured for a long part of the year, looked very promising at the start. Him and Ruben Cotter, that hooker, both got a year extension. Peter Holwar, Tolungi, we saw under-20s kids that are pushing up. Shane Wright showed some good signs. Reese Robson, who they're getting the hooker to put more pressure on that spot from the Dragons. He's a good player. And then, obviously, Valentine Holmes. We don't know what's going to happen there. But we do know if he's going to come back, I think that's the club that's going to get him. Mm. What does that mean for Drinkwater? I don't know. Or how they'd use him, but something's going to happen. Mate. Well, they've got Clifford who they love, so I don't know. <laughs> He's better than Clifford. They've got some decisions, but yeah, the clean off-season would be Morgan nice. Morgan needs to play better too. Mm. Oh, 100%. Ordinary year for him. Warriors, Canberra. Again, not a whole lot to say, but I think the easiest thing you can get out of this, for all the players that Canberra rested and their attitude, I thought they were a bit flat. Um, they looked a bit scrappy. They weren't intense, especially defensively. They had, to basically to sum that up, uh, they had 40 misses and 28 ineffective tackles, which is just as bad. So the Warriors, while they started, I thought, a little bit flat. Certainly come home with a wet sail in the second half. Uh, they come and got it. They came after him. Roger Tuivasa-Shek was incredible, as he is every single week. And again, if the Dalliams weren't based off your team winning and getting twos and threes, I'd have no doubt he'd be contending for the Dalian medal again. He's been probably better this season, I think, but it's been less a highlight because of how bad the Warriors have been. Blake Green had one of his better games. Blair and a couple of those guys had a better contribution. On the Canberra side of things, the one constant every single week, Josh McParley. He was massive again on the weekend. Um, but yeah, I think you just take that with a grain of salt. He's the best runner in the game, Papali. I think between him and Fanua Blake this year, they've been outstanding. I think Papali streaks ahead of everyone. So, yeah, I think for them, just flush that one, I guess. Do you think, I don't really think that hurts enough, them. I don't think. 
there's anything in that. But well, you're, I guess people are going, oh, well, now they've got to go to Melbourne. I was like, well, they weren't really in a good situation either way. They were going to be playing the Roosters you or the Storm. Finish top four. You play top four. That's yeah. how it works. You're so, not going to play a weak side. Mm. They won in Melbourne. They'll go down there conference. That's Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, man, I think out of the two... I think they'd rather play Melbourne. I think they'd rather play Melbourne too. And that's come from me as a Melbourne fan. I'm not offended by that at all. I honestly do think they're a better matchup against Melbourne than what they are against the Roosters. So, well, it's been proven they beat them. Flush that one for the Warriors. Another long off season. We'll get into that more at the back end of the year when we do our season reviews and bits and pieces on that. Dogs Broncos. Uh, I think this is summed up by their coach and what he said. Their attitude was just off. It was terrible. And they were dog shit on the night, and they got treated that way. And the, the Bulldogs do it. They've done every single week that we talked about. Defensive pressure. They give you nothing. Uh, they know that the strength of the Broncos is those individual forwards to the middle. They just really tightened in, jammed up on them. They knew that that spine wasn't going to offer a whole lot. So it made it quite easy for them. And when Brisbane did try to shift out of trouble, they did it off the back of slow play the balls. They forced the issue, and they just made a shitload of errors and invited the Bulldogs to attack them. And that led to them getting good field position, good possession. Lachlan Lewis come up with a couple of nice kicks for Nick Meany when they caught Asako in field. Um, and I think it was a fitting way for the Bulldogs to end the year, in all honesty. They've just ripped and busted every week and 10 wins uh, they finished ahead of a lot of sides that I thought even on those weeks they were beaten they gave a lot more effort then so yeah they ended up finishing three points out of the top eight but Broncos I guess which is crazy oh absolutely nuts for the Broncos I think plain and simple flush what happened bring the attitude they had again when they play at home that they're not at home this weekend which has been a real problem for them when they're at home they seem to find this boost they need to embrace the hostility of Bank West this week Embrace that, embrace the fans booing and coming after them, even though they are half a bloody. We've got nothing to lose, just play. Exactly. I, the, the fact they're in the eight flatters them, I think. It's more a reflection on the sides that didn't get there so much as a reflection on Brisbane. Because mm. they're playing without a steering wheel, essentially. They don't have a halfback. No. Dragons, Titans, don't even want to talk about it. We said enough for what we said before. Uh, probably the only real highlight of this game for me was seeing Mick Gordon come up with those couple of try savers and the excellent career he's had. He's been a hell of a player. Played at a lot of clubs, played for a long time. I can remember he was here 02, 03. Am I going way too early? He wasn't there for the grand finals, was he? He was no, 04. He was maybe. here sort of um, just Mike after. Gordon, nah, sort of 06 to 2010, 2011. I swear he was there like the year after the grand final. Don't think 04, so. 05. But he's had a long career. He's played for a lot of clubs Sharks, Eels, Roosters, Gold Coast as well, Panthers. He's been around, but he's been reliable wherever he's been. The only other highlight really in this game for me was that Pearson try where he cut everyone to shreds on that edge. But again, the fact he got in that position just shows uh, the defensive bow for those. But we've said too much about that one, so moving on. Tigers, Crowell. Um, what else could we say than what we said before as well? The crowd. The crowd, the atmosphere, the whole occasion was absolutely outstanding. The controversy of Robbie being a late inclusion, the way the crowd was when he came out in the field and that was announced was huge. Uh, I felt they had enough opportunity in the first half, though, and they just couldn't capitalise. They come out with a couple of penalty goals. Cronulla absorbed on their goal line. They looked a bit nervous and they were playing a bit basic and one out. But once they kind of got to half time at 6 4, you kind of felt that the Tigers had fired a lot of bullets and that Cronulla were going to get theirs. And 
it unfortunately unraveled a lot quicker than what we expected, which is why we ended up making it to the Penrith game. But the first 10 minutes, they basically went bang, bang, bang. Masters got caught trying to knock that ball dead and it fell there for Morris. Then they shifted twice that left-hand edge off. Jack Williams' offload first, catching players in field. Then again, some people complained that that second time he dropped the ball when it looked like he was offloading, but players were trying to strip it. Ref calls play on. Sherry did a beautiful job twice of drawing and passing, quality centre. And before you know it, it was 24 8. Yeah, it's um, game over. It was all kind they, of. Done they looked very nervous first half, Cronulla. Mm, very, they did. very nervous. They were a bit shaky, but uh, they found and, a way. So, and from then on, it was just garbage time footy. And the field goal from Gallon, some people weren't happy about that. I think, well. well he's got a reputation for making it about him. Well, he's kicked that's, a couple of goals at some different grounds, and he kicked that one, and he thoroughly enjoyed it, but. At the end of the day, love him or hate him, I think he owns his behaviour. So he's not apologising, that's for sure. But tell you what, not a bad strike for a black that I, looks like he got no hip mobility, that's for sure. I was surprised when he knocked it over. Mm. But Tigers, unfortunately, it's been a hell of a year. I think they couldn't have squeezed any more out of the sponge. That's for sure. Nofaluma was absolutely massive again. Madison, Garner has been pretty good the last few weeks, even though he got caught once defensively. And I thought Brooks had some moments as well. But for Cronulla, Nakora, you can understand why he played for New Zealand after the way he started the year. Obviously, things flattened out a little bit at the back end of the year, but he was huge on the weekend. Sherry, Williams being back on the bench made a huge difference for them. Uh, yeah, good win for them. And Panthers, Newcastle, this was just an abomination. It was 18-4 at halftime after the first 20 minutes. It seemed like an even game, but Newcastle, we kind of won it at halftime whether they'd quit, and we thought they hadn't. It was proven right in the second half. They conceded six tries. They got absolutely torn to pieces. They got murdered. And I don't even really need to talk about how it happened because it was just embarrassing, but... I think, yeah, for Penrith, good way to send off James Maloney. Those nine debutants like we talked about, that a lot of those kids playing on that last game at home and they gave their fans something to smile about, I guess, to finish the season. But the thing for them, no different to what we said about Newcastle. I think their fingers crossed it's a quiet off-season. Anyone that's there who's unhappy or any player unrest or any of this beef, all those issues get cleaned up. These guys have a big pre-season. They figure out what their spine's going to be moving forward. But I think the biggest thing to take from this was Nathan Cleary regardless of how bad Newcastle were, owned that game. And we know, like we said, I don't think they've played well together, him and Maloney, but it's his team moving forward. Yeah. Um, and he broke the all-time Panthers game-scoring record, owned by Michael Gordon, coincidentally, in his last game, 30 points. Nath with the four tries, nine goals, 34 points. That's great. I highly doubt that's going to be broke anytime soon. But there was multiple contributors for them. Billy Burns obviously had a big showing in his second game. Kikau, uh there was plenty of guys that were absolutely outstanding. Egan even found himself have a couple of good roles in that one and the forward pack, Fish Harris, etc. But for Newcastle, um, yeah, if, if anything I took from Newcastle, I felt sorry for another debutant. Bradman Best debuted in that bloodbath against the Tigers and they rolled out one of their gun kids against Stafford Tower this week against Penrith and he scored on debut, a nice intercept try I think it was there, but it had to be a part of a 50-point demolition, which isn't the greatest way to remember your first grade debut. So... Mm. There you go, mate. Player reviews wrapped up from the weekend. Oh, that game was standing in the beer line. <laughs> How much was the beer line held up? Fuck wow. Hell. Here we go. Fan questions, box head. John Pappas, why does Brock hate the fans? I don't hate the fans. <laughs> That's a great one. No, I don't he doesn't hate, I don't the, hate the fans. He doesn't, he doesn't hate the fans, mate. I just it's hate just... SA questions when we're off the cuff. So keep them short and sharp. That's keep them short and sharp. Like Lua's flick pass to Rapana, fourth as a attempt in the 2016. Wow. At Skill Hello. says, enjoy your discussion a few weeks ago about changing rugby league tactics over the past few decades. What do you think will be the next big well, change? That's a big question. It is the big question, isn't it? Generally, uh, it comes... I think small ball. It's going to go to small ball. Well, we've already seen 
a bit of a result of that. I think you can see more proof of that from what the Raiders have done with their forward pack this year. And I think you see a result of that. Some of what the Roosters have done, like people, you can look at them and go, they're big forwards, but they're more athletic so much than they are. Big Jared's really their last big man. And even he showed this year that he has the ability to play 60, 65 minutes wherever required. I'd also think you're going to see the passing rate go up. There's going to be more passes in the game. And again, who's to break away from the wrestle. One of the better forward packs at passing or that element of the game, again, is the Roosters. Mm. The Roosters have a high on there of that. Liu uh, and the couple of guys they've got in their pack. Tokiyo's got a pass. Victor Radley has a pass. You see Cameron Murray, who's the evolution or the prototypical kind of middle player that we're talking about that people are looking for now. Jake Jaboyevich. Yeah. Radley. Things are starting to head that way. So that's probably the next big one, 100%. The Buckster. Are there any positive for the Knights this year? It seems like we've repressed back to six years ago under Bennett when we had a good team on paper but lacked effort and intensity. What does O'Brien need to do to turn things around? Well, Get some discipline in the joint. Discipline, culture and buy-in. And hopefully they don't savage each other and split and half go after the coach and half like him halfway through the year. Players need to remember that they're there to play football. Not cause bloody North and South Korea type splits. They should just focus on doing their job and after a six or seven game winning streak for things to go that badly off track was just absolutely amazing. And I, again, at the time, was dumbfounded to think that that was all the coach's fault, but things got even worse after he left. So, again, the playing group have got to take a good hard look in the mirror, that's for sure. Johnny Samikas, do the Panthers need a ball playing fullback? If they cannot recruit one, who would you play there? Well, I think I answered that before. I think Jerome Luai, for me, brings a ball playing element. Takes me out of the front line defensively. They're plenty there. Whether they're going to, whether they've got a solid first grade career fullback, I'm not too sure. Time will tell. Because then they're not going to want to recruit one. Well, I think the big thing, and we spoke about this earlier, when they had Dallin, when they had Caleb Aikens, who's still there, and when they had Dylan Edwards, who's still there, they're all basically the same player. They're all good carriers of the football that will get your set started and do a good job in that regard. But none of them are natural ball. I'll, I'll say this: I think Matt Moylan will find his way back to the club. Well, the Jersey flag player of the year, I think, named last night was from Penrith. I think it was Charlie Staines, who's now been playing New South Wales Cup as a fullback. Yeah. I haven't seen Charlie play. I don't know if you have. Is he a ball player? Yeah. Or do you know of the guy? Yeah. Is yeah. he more likely Tall, to... rangy. Is he likely to break the mould of the three I don't know. They've got? He's playing flag and cup. As we know, it's so far off I first grade. But yeah, he looks good. Mm. But so do a lot of kids playing flag and cup. So I'm just saying, but does he show more natural yeah, ability? Well, a, but they all, a lot of them pass and ball play in those lower grades. Well, I didn't see Aikens do it at all. Aikens just churned out metres. Yeah. And Dallin as well. It's not really been a big part of his game, but I guess that's basically what you need. And if not, they're going to have to manufacture it another way. Do they do it with one of those halves? Maybe they do. That's how Matt Moylan ended up at fullback. But Jerome Lillard to me seems I think you'll end up, I'll say it again, I think you'll end up back at Penrith. With all the injury problems and all that, I wouldn't be touching the 10-foot pile. Unless I know that. I'm, just, I'm not discount. saying that. No, I'm, I'm just saying I I'm, think I'm, he'll be back at Penrith. We'll wait and That's see what it. happens. I'm with you. Key, can we get the buzzard on the phone for the finals again? We'll start tweeting him. Well, mate. Get him on a tweet. You're going to need to tweet him again and say, look, Buzz, really enjoyed last year when you went on the fifth and last podcast, and especially if the Sharks win this week against Manly. We'll have a talk to him next week, possibly, about the big clash against coming up south or the Roosters and what he thinks they can do. Uh, and there you go. You got exactly what you asked for, Brock. Someone did ask why the Titans are terrible. Well, there you go. So I went on a 10-minute rant about it. You went on your 10-minute rant? I'm not going to go on another one. You've answered that one for all the fiends. And going on. Terry Spears says coach of the year and why well, not Well, yeah, Bellamy. we agree. 
Don't get us started on that one. What's the point of... It's the same as Bill Belichick yeah. in the NFL. What is the point of an award saying coach of the year or best coach and you go 20-4 and four and you can't win that award? Like You just think that'd be more a no-brainer unless the top four were only all one win apart and someone had a significantly lesser squad. Like, yeah, it kind of takes the piss sometimes. But outside of that, again, like a lot of people were giving credence for Manly and I did think they overachieved. But if you want to look at someone who came further than anybody and they had a lot of talent, Brad Arthur come from the Woods Spoon. Yeah. to fit so like, why I give full credit to what Des Hasler's done they still had a lot of those players last year who were quality players they had Tapao they had Fanua Blake Dylan Walker Coruscant Cherry Evans they've got more out of their whole squad that's great Yeah, but I bet a lot of people have had a lot worse predictions this year for Parramatta such as myself than what they did for Manly and I know injuries didn't help but they finished fifth so, and Ricky Stewart's got a lot of credence as well but at the same time I, I think if you want to talk who's come the furthest from where they were last year it's Parramatta yeah. If you're going to give it based on that fact, that's just my opinion. But, yeah, like Craig Bellamy, 20-4, and four, I think it's a no-brainer. First in O, first in D. Aaron Vella, in your opinion, which team in the bottom eight has underachieved? Which team in the top eight has overachieved? Well, uh, Brisbane. Brisbane, by a fact of results somewhat, you'd think have overachieved to make the finals. No, Brisbane have underachieved, I would say. Oh, sorry, in, in the, the bottom, bottom eight. Sorry, overachieved. in the bottom of the top eight. Um in Brisbane. the bottom of the eight is underachieved. Oh, plenty Penrith, of them. Penrith, Newcastle. Newcastle. <laughs> the Titans even underachieved. Yeah. Like we had, I think a lot of people had dragons, expectations. Please. A lot of people had Dragons in their top four. Mm. Um, which team in the top eight has overachieved? I think Manly. Big time. Well, I still think, again, they had Canberra. more quality to me than a couple of those sides did. Just change of coach and culture. Well, they had Cherry Evans already. Two very, very good front rows. Did you have any eight? No. no. But I had no, them higher than all those other teams we were talking about that did make the eight. So, did you have them higher than Canberra? Pretty sure I did. I'd have to go back and have a look. So probably Canberra then. So but yeah, Canberra and Manly are the easy two for me. Mm. Campbell Scott, you boys have any podcast suggestions that are not rugby league related? Rugby, rugby league, league related, related or not. Yeah, I've got one. S Town. Um, it's by Brian Reed. It's um, it's yeah about a guy who. Oh, I'm not going to ruin it. It's. We'll just give a summation. Yeah, oh, it's hard to give a summation without giving a, giving away what well, it is. What's it's the sort of a, is it a show, is it characterization. A topic, is it a it's a show like a series of interviews with a guy from Alabama in America, um, and they just talk about life and it's it's v- super interesting. I went to um, Sydney Opera House last year to um, a presentation by myself because that's what I do, um, and just sat and listened to the guy that produced it. Um, Brian Reed S Town, and I'd love to hear everyone's um, opinion on it. Uh, other than that, Bill Simmons podcast. We both listen to that. Uh, yeah, well, they talk a bit of shit, pop culture, sport. If you're into NFL, NFL NBA. Michael Lombardi, Colin Cowherd. Yeah, GM Shuffle. It's not GM Shuffle now. I think it's GM something else with Adnan Verk. He's changed with. No, it's the GM Shuffle. It was That's GM Street. W- yeah, so now he's GM, GM Shuffle, Shuffle with Adnan Verk. That's good if you like NFL, and he talks. You know, pretty in depth there, and he had ties to New England and Bill Belichick and that, so he's really switched on. Cowherd, uh, sometimes the opinions are a bit annoying, but he's fairly smart if you like NFL betting and lines. And I've, I've gone off Cowherd. I still listen to Cowherd a little bit. Uh, Rogan, depending on what kind of people you're into, there's, yeah, too, there, there's too many to keep up with, and sometimes, in all honesty, I love him, but he gets a little bit repetitive. But when he has a real good comedian on, when he has on like a real interesting, like if you read the taglines of some of the people he talks to, if what the description of what their career is or what they're all about interests you, I'm guaranteeing it'll be worth your while. And for all the Star Wars fans out there, inside Star Wars, get onto it. 
There you go. That's just a couple. I've got about 20 or 30, but I can't think of off the top of my head. But mostly they're sport-based for me. David Assi says, I decided to jump on the NFL this year. Pick the Saints as his team. Oh, Go and have a shower. Mortal enemy of Brock over there in the same division. I can see why it's such a massive sport in America. What are your thoughts on the upcoming season? Favourites for the Super Bowl and thoughts on the AB drama? Favourites for the Super Bowl with this Patriots. Flocks team. Patriots, Chiefs. Well, they're already the favourites before they got AB. And how NFC is wide open. Rams, I think, would be the favourites, but... Outside of that, it's wide open. Yeah, well, Rams, Saints, there's a couple of teams there that can all attend for that one. On the flip side, on the AFC, it's Patriots and Kansas City. And that's it. And I don't think So that's the advantage they sort of have in that they get there a little bit easier, but we say this every year. Well, it's, I've said it's it hard, year. It's hard to get a line through the Patriots because they don't play in a very competitive division and so or a what? very they competitive win the conference. Super Bowl, but so. it's... Well, it's bare, but some years they've sort of gone there and then been rolled by someone and you go, okay, well, they're not as good, but... You don't. It's like Melbourne. So people sort of go, well, Melbourne, they're, they're not as good as what they were last year or they won't win the comp. It's like, but they're first. They're minor premiers. They've lost four games. Hmm. But my point is, even they're in, the same. Even they're, in they're some the of same. the years they've been rolled, the AFC's won it. So when we got rolled by yeah, Denver, yeah. the AFC... Yeah, have gone in. I, I think the NFC, the a Ravens lot of the time, won it. is its biggest enemy. It eats itself, the NFC, a lot of the time. Um, because it's just, at this point in time, at this moment in the NFL, or what would you call it? World time, the timeline that it's just the NFC's stacked or more stacked than what the AFC is. But and as I say to you, you could essentially have the best two teams in the NFL in the AFC, and then have teams from three to ten that are in the NFC. I still think there's too so, much credit given to the NFC, in my opinion. I think it's a stronger division, yeah. but not as lopsided as what you're making it out to be. I think our division definitely is poor. But I don't think the AFC is as bad as what people make it out to be. It's rubbish. The AFC is rubbish. Well, I disagree with you, but there you go. Uh, the AB drama, he's absolutely handed himself like an absolute peanut. But from a New England perspective and the fact that he's somehow, the agent put himself in a position to get released and there was already talk yesterday that he was talking to the Seahawks and a contender, he might be an evil genius, the way it's all panned out for himself. Uh, and clearly money and the guarantees and everything else that he voided to get himself punted wasn't the real issue because someone was always going to pay him. Talent always gets paid in the NFL. They've done this before with Darrell Revis, other guys have done it. but Only because the Raiders released him. They've got the him. Raiders didn't have to release. I know him. that. That he, I, whether he's done this himself or whatever. I, Pete Carroll came out yesterday and said straight away. See the way he ran well, around. So. He, was, he was running around because he didn't expect I'm them to release. Free. Him. Yeah, well, if if really the Raiders have done him a favour, a massive favour, mm. well, so he, he got... shouldn't say a negative word about the Raiders in uh, for the rest of uh, the time he's on this earth breathing. Well, this because is... with all, they could have just said "fuck you," you're not playing. And to be fair. Where, how are the Raiders then going to go and spend their money from AB this year? They're not going to be able to. So I would have liked them to have just said, stick it up your arse, you can, you can suck it up. But again, we see the Primadonnas, things get a little bit hard, want to throw the toys out of the cot and go somewhere else. So, And New England, I guess, have been the beneficiaries of it. So it's not, it's not their fault. Nah, I, I just well, think, I think, the Raiders, I think the Raiders should have dug their heels in and I think Antonio Brown's a complete grub. He is a complete grub. The problem is they would have to pay him, even if they voided it or... They wouldn't have had to it's, pay him. They it, paid him. They've already it's paid It's dead him. money. They're just holding on to him. Like, it's just dead money. It's dead money forward. now because they're not going to be able to spend it. I know, but it's money they can actually spend because it's like you're saying, if they hold on to him, no one's going to trade for him. They get nothing for him and it's money it's sitting on your cap. You well, it is. It's any, dead money you can You can punt him spend. at any point in time. Well, you can't. They didn't have money. to bullshit. They didn't have to just let him go when they did. Well, they got the problem out of their building and for the direction they're Correct, trying to go. But he's been a problem for the last three months. So Anyway. What they've done is probably the best thing to moving forward. But Dave Askett, what do you feel also is a fair punishment for Hudson Young taking into account his 12 pride? weeks. 
Well, yeah, at least if they put seven the first time and he got the early guilty plea, he won't. He shouldn't get the discount. Unless he can prove that he didn't do it. It, it certainly looks as though he did it. It's going to be pretty hard. But, I mean, he'd have to get, get in and get a better angle and a lot closer of it. He might not have done it. I, I, I don't know. But it certainly didn't look good. The, the, the fact that he went in twice is probably the one that's really going to hurt his chances of getting off. Mm. If it was just once, you could almost argue that it was accidental. But the fact he went in again... I don't think he got close to the ball. That's the problem. And whether he got the eye I didn't look at it that closely, but... He got the face twice, so I think he's in a bit of Barney rubble. It's... I don't know. Kyle Mather, which two teams lose and drop out this week? So obviously talking about those in the nation finals. Well, I think we both Broncos agree. Manly. You know, Manly are up against it, even though they're at home with all those injuries. And Parramatta at Bank West, you'd want to think they take advantage of that situation. So, yeah. Billy Sad says, uh, Sean Wayne apparently wants in at the Dragons as head coach pretty badly. Do you guys know what he's like as a coach and would he be a good fit? Love the show, boys. Yeah, get onto the BBC Rugby League podcast. They did one with Sean Wayne, uh, ex-coach at Wigan. Had a lot of success there. He's now doing a lot of public speaking in the UK. Uh, very, very switched on dude. Uh, hard ass. I think he could make it as a coach in Australia. Uh, he'd be he'd have some sort of connection, I would imagine, with Ian Millwood. So there are links there. Could he make it? I think he. I think he could. Well, like I said, given their situation right now, I wouldn't be looking at him, but. No, I'm not saying that I think he, they're going to coach. sign him. No, I'm the saying, question was, could he make it? He could in the coach NRL. NRL. Yes, he could. The Dragons, I don't think they're going to be looking at him at this point in time, their situation. If you read into sure. what Gus Gould says, they're having a review to not have a review. Well, he apparently got asked by the man that you're talking about, Paul McGregor, so he'd be pretty ruthless if he ended up knifing the guy that he guaranteed the job of who asked him to come well, to the review. He, he, that's so. not what Gus said. Gus said that... He said that Paul McGregor head, is the one who asked him to come to no, he said that they've been talking... However, the Dragons run a review like they do every year, and he's been asked by the club to come in and head the review. Well, we'll see what happens. Benny Robinson, how do you see the game being played in the next five years or so? Smaller forwards, less wrestling, structure, etc. No, there's going to be more wrestling. The wrestling's not going anywhere. Like we said a million times before, everyone's doing it. However, the smaller forwards, more passing, less structure, will mm. it, it leads to tackles that don't enable wrestling. Mm. So that's the battle that you're constantly having at the moment. You run one out straight, you're going to get wrestled. If you move the ball, create one-on-one tackles, less wrestle. That's sort of the battle between offense and defense at the moment. Mm-hmm. Jack Dean, this is what I said before this was going to happen. Why Sam and not Jared? So I'm guessing that means why he was suspended. Because they're two different cases. They are two different cases. And, whether and you... Sam's had how many? Did, we, did you say oh, well, I think four this year? All they've said is for contrary conduct and fines, you can only have so many. So I don't know exactly this year, but I think he's been charged four or five times. So he's run out of opportunities to be fined. He has loading. And again, I think he got lucky to dodge the Matt Moylan thing. But the loading from that, plus the fact he's already been fined too many times, has led to the situation he's in right now. So he couldn't get off regardless. When you've got too many contrary conducts, you get an automatic week regardless. It's not something you can go and fight. So was it stupid? Was it anything major? No, it wasn't really anything major. But he puts himself in that position from being a dickhead so many times prior. We've been over it. And he's hurt his team. It's different to Jared's. Uh, yeah. Ray Gavin, what does the new chair bring that his predecessors didn't? We've well, been over that. Basically what we said before. Um, the main thing, I guess, is a real genuine business sense. Paul Kay, I was listening to a lesser podcast and heard that the amount of tries over the course of a season has declined over the past five or six years. Is this down to better defense or lack of quality creative players? Both. Thoughts? Yeah, it's a combination. Defense has never been more structured. Mm. Uh, I think and it's the fact on. that we've got to the point in the game when... Clubs are now comfortable with eight substitutions. 
that's certainly playing a part. There's more stoppages in the game. The bunkers come in. They're allowing fucking teams to or games to stop when someone has to do a shoelace up. There was an incident at Penrith on the weekend when Newcastle had the ball 30 metres out from their own line. One of their players was being attended to on the 20, and they stopped the game for at least two or three minutes. It, like, just ridiculous. So, while ever there's a lack of fatigue in the game, it, it's really going to struggle, um, I guess, to take the game forward from an attacking perspective because there's less fatigue, less chance to break up the defence. So, less creative play, the more flow that there is in a game and the less stoppages that there are in, in a game, the more fatigue, therefore the more creativity you're going to see. Coaches, and as you know... Coaches to begin games and in important periods of games and coming out of trouble and, and areas where you don't want to make errors are going to be very Barry basic, simple game plans. They encourage creativity down in areas where you can score points. No coach is saying, you know, go down and attack goal line and go one out. Like everyone's everyone's trying to play uh, creatively in one part of the field and then also conservative in another. Every team's doing that. It's just, the I guess, the different shapes and things that you put with it. So... Is defence more structured? Yes, but they've also got more time on the ground because there's a lot more wrestle, but also there's less fatigue. I think it's playing a, a huge part in, in that battle. So we've either got to work out a way to get the wrestling out, get more fatigue in, lower the substitutions, whatever we've got to do to, to break the game up again. Mm. And then we'll get to a point where they'll go to six, and in two or three years after that, the game will adjust. It'll get used to it, and then we'll have to you have to manipulate it to make it become more entertaining. It's just the, the game's always evolving. It never stays the, the same. I agree with you 100%. Luke Smith, thanks for the year, boys, and the time and effort you put in. Will Trent Barrett improve Penrith's attack and should Penrith make a play for Isaac Luke on a short-term deal? I oh, think- Trent Barrett will improve Penrith's attack. He, he ran the Harvest Academy out at Penrith. Um, and look, I, I'm not sure whether he's, at this point, in his coaching career, ready to be a full-time, long-term NRL coach. I think he's he's an, he's an excellent assistant coach, and I think he will improve their attack because their attack, honestly, it hasn't progressed a lot in the last three or four years. And Nathan Cleary needs some help, mm. structurally. Don't disagree with anything you've just said. Darren Corn. Paul Kent is now the most hated journo. He wants to get rid of Mad Monday. What are your thoughts on Mad Monday? For me, it is better than Christmas. Enjoyed it as a player. Uh, absolutely outstanding time at the end of the season to celebrate with mates. Even better when you win, obviously, rather than when you're losing. I don't think it ever felt that good when you've lost uh, a grand final, or especially when you didn't make finals. But I think the big thing, and we've said this a million times on here, I think you can have Mad Monday and you can enjoy it. You just need to be smart about it. The problem is... The players generally aren't that smart about it, and a lot of the time they do get in trouble is the continuation of Mad Monday. A lot of the clubs do a pretty good job organising a function or something set up for a day or two and then tell them to behave or be smart about when they go out. The problem is generally when they get outside the four walls of whatever was structured is when someone does something fucking dumb or brings an outsider or a friend in who takes a video or a phone of behaviour that, again, I don't encourage, but unfortunately on Mad Monday people do dumb shit. Honestly, if I was a head coach, I would just say to them, look, boys, this is where we're doing it. This is what the theme is. Or you boys go away. You decide where you want to have it. You want to. You decide what the theme is, okay? Let's get dressed up. Let's have a good time. It's going to be behind closed doors. Mm. Put your phones. No phones are allowed. Yeah, no outsiders. And the, there's going to be journos there for the first hour. Have a chin wag. Give them what they Sit want. Sit down. Take some photos. Have a beer with them. Build some relationships. 
after that, guys, you've had an hour, get your photos, yeah, let the boys enjoy it. And but from there, I, I'm not sure whether you've got, you've got to go to the point where you you hire out a whole floor of a of a hotel and have all the players sleep there and have them not locked in and not confined. But I mean, I think you're right in the fact that the the problems then arise not from I don't think it's the afterwards. team the team functions it's when it's they afterwards. go out afterwards and they're by themselves because I've bloody seen it when I've been out once or twice and the, the trouble is again like you as a person and being situationally aware when you separate the group or when it breaks up or you go off with outsiders or you mix in elsewhere that's generally where the problems start and first graders don't think like that and even around their own friends some of the, a lot of these issues you see a lot of the photos or bits and pieces that have got out for things in the past have been Someone that's supposedly a mate of somebody who doesn't have a contract to lose or something. And again, I'm not encouraging but that. That could happen. What what I don't understand without the with the stigma around Mad Monday, that could happen on any night when you go out on the piss with your mates. Easy. You know, we went out on the beers on Sunday, had a few, went to the Pioneer Tavern afterwards. Hmm. We didn't carry on. But you know, was that any different to how many beers you drink at Mad Monday? Probably not. You're probably drinking as fast with a similar sort of group. I think the fact is that behaviour changes when you associate it with Mad Monday. Mm. Players think Mad Monday means mad, get, means I need stupid. to go over the top. I think that just got to break that culture, I think. Mm. It, go out and have a beer, boys. You've got every right to go out and have a oh, beer. Oh, again, if you're going to rock for two or three days, I'd just be smart about it. Unfortunately, like I said, the longer it goes, which is generally the problem, that's when things but happen. I, and I also think that there's clubs that deserve to go out on Mad Monday a lot more than others. Because judging by some of the performances of teams, that there's been a lot of teams that have just been on the piss the whole year. You know, oh, there's plenty of people out and about. So, really, it's it's supposed to be about you know the fact that you've sacrificed getting on the grog and being a professional, and it's time to let your hair down. Mm. A lot of these guys are you know if they play Thursday, they're going out and getting hammered for two nights over the weekend anyway. Mm. I'm with you, but you can't get rid of it. No, you can't. You can't take you, away. You can. I just think. Well, I put it this way: you tell them the they can't have Matt Monday. It. You think players aren't going to go, go harder? They're fucking go out and do it anyway. Yeah. Like, whether you do it as a club or go, we're not doing it, yeah, you don't do it. It's not going to stop them. They got their time off. What do you think most of them do when they get their time off? They party because they do work bloody hard. They're ten months of the year. It's, it's a long season. The young you can't count it though. Do. Adam Ingaro says, "Is Cameron Murray a future New South Wales and possibly Australian captain? The guy yes. is Superman. Yes. Well, he's the ideal character of what we've just talked about, basically, as far as." Not just the football player, but the human being. He seems to be an absolute bloody angel and switched on and got his feet on the ground and he's the ideal person for that sort of role, 100%. Josh Armo, award winners for Dally M's this year for rookie coach and if you're up to it, boxhead positional awards. Please. We won't do positional awards probably because I think we'll save that for back end of the year. We also like to include the final. Some people disagree with that, but we like to go for the whole season, but... Rookie of the year, I think you've got a couple of obvious candidates in Payne Haas, I think, because he qualified for the amount of games and Mike Acevo. There was a lot of other good players, though. I like, I like Tony Staggs. Well, did Staggs play enough games last year to qualify or not? <laughs> I think sure. Nikora played for New Zealand. That's obviously a big rap in your first season. Payne um, Haas will win it. Payne Haas for the amount of games he played. Coach Bellamy, Dallium, I think Tedesco. And coach, yeah, I was with you. And if you're going to go to Dallium, yeah, but a couple of the positional awards. Well, again, fullback pretty much sorts itself, I think. I'm not going through positions. We're going to go. We're going to have a whole awards show at the mm. end of the year. And again, yeah, I want to see. Oh, this is the most important time for me. If you're going to give away a positional award, what players do in the next four weeks is what you, you earn your bacon in the next four weeks. Yep. In terms of winning awards, to me, mm. regular season awards, 
Don't rate him. Shannon Adard, discussing any purchases the dogs need to make become a top four side. Hook a half center. Lewis and Marshall played strong towards the back end of the year. Well, mm. I don't think it's about more the purchase they need to make because this offseason, I don't think they're going to make a lot. Anyone they went for uh, and didn't decide to go with them, a.k.a. Jesse Ramian, Appy Corusau, you don't want guys that don't want to be there. I think the biggest thing we spoke about before for them is not rushing to make purchases. You can't force purchases or try and force guys to go to your club or overpay or they end up in the same situation uh, that they got themselves in previously. The fact they won 10 games, they've blooded a lot of young kids and they've worked their way into this position. I think Napa played well. I think Jackson, with the wins, slowly saw him spark up a bit at the back end of the year, feeling that vibe kind of coming back. Hopawade playing with Remus. Dallin, Dallin's probably the one priority. He was only supposed to be going there for 18 months or whatever. I think for them right now, that looks like a move they want to keep long-term. Ockenball played some good games when he'd come back in nice and healthy now. Morgan Harper on the weekend, I like. I think their back line's pretty much sorted for me. Moving forward, Lewis and the halves, Cogo, I think there's some signs there. I don't know if I'm completely sold. Marshall King long-term, we're not completely sold either. I think the main thing is, I think they need a dominant half because Kieran Foran physically is not going to be that guy moving forward and they need more forwards. Um, as far as the back line's concerned, I don't have a big problem with what they've got right now. now. I, I'd just develop Harper and these guys further and even Remus Smith. Keep working with him. I think he eventually turns into a centre and they've got some guys coming through the grades as well. But the main thing is, I guess, again, like this rush to purchase. Don't rush to purchase. You bought 10 wins with just development and a couple of smart buyers that they've made. Don't go mental and overspend. Lawrence Leg, there seems to be a little bit of a move to the smaller 13. Okay, well, again, we've basically touched on this. Do you think Matt Burton is any chance of moving to 13? Maybe not physically up to it at the moment, but great to see him clear in Luai play to get love the show. Thanks. I still think he's more uh, going to end up playing in one of those halves positions. I don't think he'll end up playing as a lock. I think more what, to what you just touched on, that Luai is one of the guys I look at, the way he plays the game, suiting the fullback type of role. But we'll have to see what happens this offseason and whether that's the direction they head and they push for that to get them all into the side or whether they wait to develop Matt Burton for another year and see physically what he turns into. But for me right now, clear he's your obvious seven. Corusio is going to be a nine. I'd like to think that Burton can push into six and Luai hopefully can be the one that can ball play for them and they get enough out of the two wingers to make up for the yardage that they get out of Dylan Edwards to allow him to play that Matt Moylan type role and I mean Luai that is in the fact that he can distribute to Toto and Mansour or another winger if they come up with one uh, and he just be more a creative player in attack. Simon Tag, boys comparing teams across errors how far back do you think you'd have to go for the Wooden Spoon Titans to be a top four premiership containing team e.g. would they beat 2011 Eagles, definitely not. 05 Tigers, conversely, definitely not either. Or what era premiers would still be competitive top four today? Would the 2010 Dragons or 98 Broncos still make the top four? Hope that's not confusing. That's not confusing. It's not confusing at all. They're quality teams and they were premiers for a reason. So the 2010 Dragons would still make it today. They were very left side dominant, but defensively they are outstanding. They starved you... Uh, you know, defensively, they didn't give you a whole lot to work with. They're definitely a finals team. The 98 Broncos, from memory, was stacked. That still had Webke, Talos, all those guys on that side, didn't Titans have beaten none of them. And, yeah, the Titans on the flip side of that first one. The 2011 Eagles would be a top-four side probably right now. That side was stacked. The 05 Tigers were a blip on everyone's radar because it was way out of left field, but they played a completely unique style of football, speaking of what you were talking about before with teams that want to play defensively and structure and do all these things. The Tigers were just something completely left field to break away from that mould, which is why they won the competition. So I think all those teams would beat the Titans. And yeah, those two teams you mentioned would still make the eight right now. Jordan Palmer, is this the best part of the season for you, Brocky? This is the first time all year you don't have to worry about how the Titans piss you off. 
Your remote will be cheering as well, but... I haven't smashed a remote in a long time. The remote breaking I've just got IQ4 as well, so I won't be throwing any of those remotes around. <laughs> Definitely not. Semi Afara says, your thoughts on trying to staying on the field when no one's down? Don't fucking start me. We've gone off this one for a long time. But bro- absolutely I used to say, it. oh, don't, don't bring it up again. Because it was every week. But Yeah, well, every week because it happens every Well, apparently week. they're cracking down on it now. Oh, of course I, they I haven't are. seen it. What? Fucking, we're in now what? We're into the finals. They're going to crack down if on it They're going to crack down on Alfie. Oh, Alfie Lang is in big Jesus trouble. Jesus Christ. He loves it. The fact that they need pl- that my bugbear is the fact that they train all week, they do hours and hours of video, they could not be more professional in terms of how much training and how much information, and how much data, but yet they still need a fucking blue shirt behind them to tell them what to do. So, either they're dumb, and or they're not listening during the week, one or the other. Yeah, I think it's a frustration in coaches generally. There's nothing worse as a player than having someone fucking standing behind you telling you what to do. Mm. Piss off. But Jenna, Just let me play the I think game. It comes down to part of what you're saying. Coaches, and you know where I stand on it. Yeah, right? I know. Because you, you've been you, my blue shirt. I say, get the fuck off the field. You also know there's super controlling coaches that are instantly. Yeah, because it's about them. Bugbeared and want to have a, their fingers Too many all coaches, every it's about seconds. them. Tommy Illick says, how does Marty Tapao not get sent off? And is Sevo yeah, well, just as good as the semi-trailer? Go to the Eels. Yeah, well, at the moment he is. He's unbelievable. Well, and the, he's on, what, probably a quarter of the pay packet. He's not even less. a quarter of the pay packet. Uh, Marty Tapao should have been sent off. It was clear as day a send-off. If that's not a send-off, I'm not sure what is. Miller Lights, yeah. I've, I've, I've only got a few left. I've got 36. I've got two 18 packs. You've had a couple? I've had two. I've enjoyed both. I'm looking forward to drinking... Off more. tap in Hawaii, hello. When I go to America, Yard I glasses. look forward to it. I'll be trying just about anything I can get in my mouth, to be honest. I'm a fairly big fan of the alcohol, but yeah. Lee Bailey says, How many years will it take Madge to get the Tigers to be a premiership contender? As a Storm fan, I'm sick of facing Manly and the Roosters, and we need a new challenge, he says. Well, a development cycle. So, four or five years. That's how long it takes. Well, they're doing a lot of things that they're working on. Number one, they wanted to get stability amongst the board, stability in the club, and he's there for the long haul. I think that's pretty obvious from the deal he signed and what he's doing. They need to get the salary cap in shape. So, again, he's inherited a roster that's not his. There's a couple of people that need to be moved so they can bring in more bodies, more pieces, and more balanced contracts to have a better top 30. And basically to what Brock said, they haven't had a great development cycle for a while, and it's going to take a couple of years to push some players through to nurture that bottom end of the top 30 where you grow quality players that you don't have to go out and pay top dollar for. So it's going to be a combination of well, both of those Well, we're their coach them. We know. The the players in the junior leagues are well behind your Penrith, your Parramatta's, who are probably leading the way in development in mm. Western Sydney. Does that mean that you throw your toys out of the cot and go, this is no, too hard? No, you, work, you work fucking harder. And you, you develop the, more kids. Exactly. You bring more kids in. Those two things need to marry up in what we're talking about. So number one right now, he's obviously got a salary cap issue that's not his problem and it's going to take 12, 18 months to get full control of it. So you're not going to see the best side of that for two years. And the development's the same thing. That's going to take a couple of years to push anyone through. Not a couple. It'll take four. When that all marries together, and hopefully you get a good group come through at the same time as they've got complete control of their salary cap, you hopefully put together a, a challenging yeah. side. You also don't want to fast track them and break them. No, exactly. It has to be done the correct way. So it's going to be a couple of years, but look at this year. They come ninth, like we said, with three <laughs> or four of their biggest players that are contributing to the fact that they're going to be borderline final side. So... I'm a hater. You'll probably cover it in the set of six. A lot about it, but Peter Volandis, we're pleased with. Yeah, we're pleased with the decision, mate. To touch on that one and the details, you'll hear that one back at the start of the show. Daniel Aolu says, rate the potential of Dylan Brown. I think they look much better and more balanced where the sides attack too much to Moses. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to be a long time mm. first grader. Well, I think what we touched on earlier, Daniel, the big thing. Me. 
What's that? The, the, the injuries he had with his back are a little Stress bit Stress fractures, yeah. huge. Uh, the big thing that like we said, I think a lot of people have forgotten already, he's 18. So Daniel, he's got a huge future ahead of him. He's already playing first grade, and he's not one of these guys you're spotting up on video every week going, oh, he's poor defensively, he makes these mistakes. He doesn't ever play his hand. He plays straight better than most young halves do. He's physical, he's a good ball runner. Defensively, he's solid. So there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like about young Dylan Brown. There's no doubt about that. There you go. All done, Boxhead. Yep. Half now, an hour later. tips and gossip brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. There is no gossip this week because, as we know, most things around this year have been announced or brought out. There's not a whole lot of rumour or murmur. There's been a couple of people signed contracts with teams that have been knocked out of the finals, but we don't care about that. But tips brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. And keep your eyes out for their best bets and any promos. The NFL and college package, as we put out last week and spoke about, it is their top-performing package. They've had some absolutely huge profit margins the last couple of years. If you're betting off their units, they won thousands the last two years. The college guy and the insider, uh, I think it was close to 35 units the first year and the last year was something absolutely ridiculous as far as return. This year, get on board with that one. If you're into the NFL and the college like us, we've started our own. Little tipping pool brought the lines, like we did for the NRL this year, yeah. where you list the lines as they are for the games at the start of the week and now the eight games we picked through. So NFL, we're doing similar. The 16 games, we're picking five of them. Five lines. We yeah. have to cover the lines. I had a terrible week to start off with. I only picked one. Did you? Yeah. Or three. Well, you did a lot better than me. I backed a couple of teams, including your mob. I backed the Browns, who got blown out. Backed was, Atlanta away from home. There was a few. Minnesota, who were very good. In the NFC. In a dome. <laughs> where you matter. play. In a dome. Doesn't matter. You guys are Vikings are good. So, there you go. Looking forward to it. But the Pro Sports Syndicate, keep your eyes out for some best bets, promos. Look at that package. Get on board. It's a top performer if you're a big fan of those ones. NRL, hopefully get a couple of best bets in the finals from the lads there. And any other sports you're interested in, they've got packages of all different descriptions. Golf, AFL, cricket. Matty, big Matty Barker, shouted him out there in particular. He's a bit of a gun with the cricket. See some of his uh, betting lines on that side of things. If you follow him on Twitter, you'd probably see him on our page, Matt Barker. Uh, my God, some of the bets he has and some of the wins he has for cricket blow me away. Good. It's shit that I wouldn't even think of, but... He's living dangerously, Matty. Good on you, son. But the tips, last week, Boxhead. You got four, Gossip got three, I got five. So as it stands, in the finals, with only nine games left, 118, you're on. You lead me by one on 117. Gossip back at 114. Let's look at these lineups and have a bit of a chat about these games. So Roosters, Rabbitohs, first up. Um, what do you think of this game? Who wins and more so why? Roosters. So you're on the Roosters. Why? I just think they'll, uh, they're obviously going to be significantly better than what they were last week from a roster perspective. Souths are going to be weaker. They've been defeated by Souths twice this year. And I, I think they've got the wood over Souths in big games, semi-final games. Well, I think the last time... They beat them. They beat them last year. Beat them last and year. And then the time prior to that, they got dusted the year that Souths won the yeah, cup, didn't but they? the year before that, they beat Souths, I think, to get into the GF when they won it. Well, look at this one. From what we saw last week and the strengths and weaknesses of both sides, I think the Roosters have handled ins and outs much better throughout the whole year. And again, this weekend, getting players back in. So Luke Keary, I think, would have made a huge difference last week. CSR Tokiaho, and now the fact that Jared Rhea Hargraves, who kind of offset Sam Burgess, I still think the Roosters would have absorbed that loss a lot better than what Seuss would on the flip side. But to get Tokiaho back with Jared, Keary back on his left edge, where they'll be a lot more polished. Brett Morris, Mitch Orbison back in there. Their bench gets even better. Like Angus Crichton's going to go back to there with Nat Butcher, who's been absolutely outstanding as well. Uh, Zane Tedovano. It's absolutely stacked. 
uh, and just looking at the weaknesses and strengths of both sides. I think last week the Roosters showed that if you get at that right edge where Gagai is, or, or their left, which is the Roosters' right attack, Campbell Graham's there this week. He's got a big assignment marking Joey Manu. He's obviously a big body. Um, I think they're going to put plenty of pressure on both those edges. They're going to pressure Cody Walker and John Sutton, who are also on that edge. I think that's a spot for them where they can be found vulnerable. So that's something they're definitely going to be looking to get after. And I think just, again, the fact that their dominant left edge last week wasn't so heavily relied on and bombed a couple of tries, but Luke Keery wasn't there. So him back there this week brings the balance to the side where you have to be accountable for all parts of the field. Coop Cronk, him, Tedesco at the back, Verrills, who's done more than a good enough job in the middle. They can't probably load up, whereas last week you think they would have been keeping their eyes more focused on where Cooper Cronk and Tedesco were going. The forward loss of Sam Burgess, though. Why? Just, you just, if everyone's been, everyone's been saying the whole year they're just waiting for finals for Roosters. Well, if, let's see it. Yeah, well. Let's see it. They're almost full strength in this game. The only person you could say is missing is Daniel Friend, basically. Oh, sorry, Daniel Friend. Jake Friend. Jake yeah, Friend. Yeah, Daniel Friend, one of our listeners, shout out to you, buddy. Not you, man. Got that one in my head. But yeah, on the flip side of it, George, he's been well, in the... Luke Keery the... had the, the birth of his bub, so they had the bub. Yeah. So he's going to be back. George is in the reserves. Tom's back from an injury, so they're both underdone. Do they pick George? I don't know, but I'm just looking at the forward pack. It's a huge ask this week with no Sam for Totola, Knight, Sua, Sutton, Murray's of it. Like, he's same in and every week. But it also, again, I think they're, they've got a better bench. Way better Crichton, Tedavano, Butcher, Tokiaho well. going up against Low Brit, Burgess, and Nichols. I'm not saying they can't grind their way to a win, but I, I, the rotation I and the start, if the Roosters are legit this week, um, they should get this job done. So I'm going with the Roosters as well. Mr. Gossip is also on board. And just a quick run through those lineups as we spoke about. Not a whole lot uh, has changed as far as surprising, but Luke Keery obviously comes back in at six. Tokiaho goes back to the bench. Brett Morris back onto his wing. Back row, Mitchell Orbison is back on deck. Ike Crichton goes to the bench along with Nat Butcher. Billy Smith and Drew Hutchinson are out. Victor Radley goes back to lock. Lindsay Collins and Tupanua go to the reserves list. And for South Sydney, as we spoke about, Sam's been suspended. The Jet, he comes back. He's back on his right edge. Gagai on that left will be replaced by Campbell Graham. Tatola starts for Sam Burgess is out. Tom Burgess back on the bench and Amone out. And we'll also have to wait and see if George plays. But the clean sweep on the Roosters and the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.32 to $3.40 minus eight is the line in this one. One to 12 for the Roosters is $2.90, $4.50 for South Sydney, 13 plus for the Roosters, $2.40, $7.50 for South Sydney. Storm Raiders box head. This game down in Melbourne uh, for the Storm side of things. Munster, he comes back in at six along with Jerome Hughes who holds that number seven jersey. Brody Croft is in the reserves. Addo Carr back on his wing. Brandon Smith back on the bench with Harry Grant moving out. I said to you I wasn't sure how they'd go with the bench. The only two guys I knew I wanted to have on the bench was Brandon Smith and Max King. Joe Stimson I thought would be there. He's there. The guy that I was 50-50 on was Tui Kamikamika. Uh, I think he's shown this year he can do a pretty steady job, but also at times when the game has kind of gone away from Melbourne or they've gotten the grind that's been set for set and they put under fatigue, I think he struggles a little bit. But on the flip side, losing Welch, I think, was a huge blow. Welch was doing a fantastic job there. And why I like young Tino, again, he's so raw and it's a big ask to bring him at this point in time. So I think purely the fact that Tui's probably played more games, they have a little more trust in him. But I think the bench, again, if we meet a Roosters later on in the grand final or something like that, if they get there, I think it's a real, real big difference in the two teams. And I think it's another thing that hurt them last year in that kind of game. As far as the starting side is concerned, though, the forward pack's been incredible. Yeah. 
the front row pairing in particular, the way Nelson's the bench, come The bench on. is the hole, obvious hole. Yeah, the back row. Kenny's one of the most improved back rowers. Smith conference. and Stimson, yes. The other, the two props. Oh, I think Bellamy will just go down that road of short minutes. Try to wind it back like we saw the other year. Yeah, just course. use those guys to get through. Knows what he's doing. Looking at Canberra in this situation, I think it's pretty obvious. Near interchange. Look at their interchange doesn't blow you off the park, does it? I think Horsburg's done a pretty good Simonson, job. Louis and Sutton had a stable. Simonson, yeah. but again, oh, that's what I mean about the Roosters. Their bench, scaring, yeah? their bench is the one thing I look at and think like, correct. That alone is why you think they're the best list in the comp. Absolutely, like, yeah. That's a huge point of difference. For Melbourne in this game, I think I know what they're going to be looking to do. I know it's pretty obvious their left edge is their dominant edge, but if I'm looking at Canberra, that's the place I want to attack. You've got BJ Lua back from suspension and off an injury who also has inside him Aiden Caesar, who at times is not the greatest defender in Rapana. I think there's a real disconnect at times, and in particular yeah. when you haven't played a lot of footy. That suits where Melbourne are going to be going. They're going to be going at Munster, who's going to look to play straight and run. Use that physical side. And you've got Kenny Bromwich. You can run, hit a hole, pass. And Olam and Adokar have built that connection. Pappenhausen's going to be all over the field. You've got no doubt that if they get up the middle and punch some holes there, he'll be sniffing around. And Smith, the kicking game and the control, I didn't think he played a big part in that second half last time where we lost. For the Raiders, I think it's much the same. I think for the Raiders, they're obviously going to play to their left-hand side and they're going to look to go at our right edge, which yeah. has now been reassorted a little bit. They've got Will Chambers over there of Hughes, which is sort of... Tighten things up nicely. But last time they had a real big success with Jack White. Anytime they got a quick play of the ball and those offloads to the middle, which they got over their pommies, which they're going to look to break down Melbourne and play that second phase, they got straight at that edge. Jack made almost 200 metres. He was just charging and playing off the back of that. And then they got back to that right and scored a couple of nice tries. Rapana come up with an absolute pearl of a finish. But the two biggest keys out of everything and fighting fire with fires, the two nines. Melbourne did a pretty good job, I thought, last time at Hodgson. And they still found a way to win the game, the Raiders, which I thought was probably the biggest thing I took away from that game. They're going to pressure him, try and force him to make errors, give him no opportunities, not let him kick early. And on the flip side, I think the Raiders need to do the same to Smith. Smith dictates everything. If he looks to kick early, you've got to pressure him. Anytime he's around dummy half, don't let him play slow motion. Get stuck into him. Uh, and don't play into Melbourne's hands. Don't play into the ruck. Play that second phase football. Play a little bit more to the edges. If you get a quick play of the ball and momentum, go after Melbourne straight away. Break Melbourne down and change the point of attack. But Melbourne in Melbourne, they don't generally lose twice to the same team. I'm going with Storm. Storm. There you go. Bit of a revenge game, I think. We're in a clean sweep. Mr. Gossip, he's on board as well. And the odds of the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.42 for the Storm, two eighty-eight for the Raiders, minus 6.5 is the line. One and twelve for the Storm is two ninety four dollars for the Raiders. Thirteen plus for the Storm two sixty five seven dollars for the Raiders. Manly versus the Sharks. Like we said, it's uh, it's been pretty ruthless as far as the way these injuries have panned out. Their forward stocks have been absolutely rattled. Des Hasler, he's got T Rex back this week. Dispensation to get him in. So there you go. Wow, they've got an exemption. They're that desperate and a huge assignment. Sean Kepi who was from Parramatta last week, debuted against his old club, got his debut. He's been named to start in the front row in a semi-final for his second game. And they've got another debutant on the bench in Hamoli Olakatu, who was part of the gun side that won that 20s comp that we watched the other year. And they rolled Parramatta with heavy favourites. He was one of the big bodies, along with Tavita Funa in that game, that created a whole lot of damage. But what an occasion. It's a huge assignment. But Marty Tapao, obviously, he was suspended... Corey Waddell goes into the starting side because Tanya Paseca got injured last week. Jack Azuski, they get a bit lucky there. He comes in. 
for that hole left by Curtis Sheeran and Joel Thompson, we obviously know is obviously not going to be back either. And Tolfoe Sipley, along with Oluk Artu on his debut, comes into cover. And we know that Tommy's not playing, so I think we're all on the Sharks here. Sharks, but that uh, the the record, 5 out of 39 at Brookvale, worries me. And I don't think they're going to roll over at Brookvale. They're so if the Sharks to. do get frustrated and bite into a bit of the niggle and make some errors and get a bit silly, this could turn into a dogfight. But if they're serious, uh, they've got Matt Moylan named in the reserves here. I think it's highly likely that he actually ends up playing this week. Aaron Gray's named on the wing. I think that's a bit of a throw-off. I'd assume that Josh Dugan would push back to the wing or Josh Morris to allow either one of those play centre and push him out. Moylan brings that ball-playing element. Johnson's back. He's healthy. Woods and Pryor are named to start. We saw last week they took basically a bit of advice that we said to break up. The fact they had no leg speed, they had feeder out there yeah. rather than having... Woods, Pryor and Gallon, who are all pretty much trotters or plotters to the middle of the field. Uh, yeah, I think the fact that Tapau's out in particular and the edges, they're going to really work over all those kind of spots. You know Jake and Adam are going to do a good job there and try and link up, but yeah, I think for Kepi, Gazuski, Waddell, and even when they roll in, Oluka Artu, Parrot, Sipley, like, look at the minutes. We're talking about minutes before. These guys aren't going to be able to maintain, I don't think. So for Cronulla in particular, when they get Ueli for Fido Williams on the field, second phase in playing through the guts, I think that's the key for the Sharks on the weekend. They can get those guys rolling with the footwork in the second phase and work over a couple of these younger guys and bigger guys that don't, haven't played a lot of NRL. They're going to find opportunities to shift the football into space. And in particular, we already know how that works out. If they go one way, you've got Sean Johnson distributing the ball. They've got quality outside backs. And then the other side of the field, you've got Wade Graham playing next to Bronson Sherry. So if they're legit, I think they should actually do a bit of a number on Manly but I just think Manly have got too much pride. Yeah, I think 1-12 to 12 is probably a, a bet to have there. Well, we're all on the Sharks, Mr. Gossip as well, with the Pro Sports Syndicate and the odds there. The Sharks, $1.52 in this game, two fifty-three for Manly. Minus 4.5 is the line. 1-12 to 12 for the Sharks, two eighty-five, three seventy for Manly. 13-plus for the Sharks, $3.625 for Manly. And the last game, the Eels against the Broncos at Bank West Stadium. As far as any changes on the flip side here, Kane Evans, uh, I'm pretty sure that's all been settled now. He's going to be missing for the week. If that's the case, you've got Daniel Alvaro, who is likely to start if Evans is suspended, which should happen. Nathan Brown returns after his suspension. Tepo Moa drops out of the side. For the Broncos, Joe Offa-Hengawe is back after his injury. Pat Carrigan goes back to the bench. Reese Kennedy goes out of the side. And Gemahat Shibasaki replaces Isaiah Paris on the bench. I think uh, we're all probably para. looking similar in this one, aren't we? Uh, I think regardless of what happened the other week, para at para, the fact they've got halves, their forward pack, obviously, I think will aim up this week after not taking full advantage of the game up there at Suncorp. If they're serious, they should get this done. I still think it could be very close, and there was plenty of feel in this one last time, so I'm looking forward to it. But, yeah, a young Broncos side, a big occasion, everything going against them. It, it's been proven so far they struggle to play away from home. Yeah, so interesting to see what happens there, and just as we're speaking right now, it's finally broke, judiciary. So Hudson Young, he's been found guilty of the second eye gouging charge. Uh, he's obviously denied it basically and tried to use the the Pompey thing as it reads here. Uh, he already spent five games on the sideline. So they're determining this length of suspension at the moment. Okay, so they haven't even come up with a. They found him guilty, but then they go in and now work out the. Length of the suspension because he's been referred straight to. Wow. Well, there you go. 
So we'll wait and see what happens there. Mm. Uh, it's still so they're going to have an update on Evans, Kane Evans. I still can't say anything here, but I'm going to be assuming that he's going to be missing for a week. I think he'll struggle to get off for the, that shot. But, uh, yeah, clean sweep for all of us here on the Eels. Going back to the odds, $1.50 for the Paramount Eels with the Pro Sports Syndicate, two sixty for the Broncos, minus 5.5 the line. One to twelve for Para is two ninety three eighty for the Broncos. Thirteen plus for Para is two eighty five six fifty for the Broncos. Boxhead bets last week. We both had Sharks one to twelve. That obviously got a little bit outside of that. Uh, on the flip of that, you had Roosters thirteen plus, and I had the Troll trial win, which both didn't even get close. So. Well, they look that looked good. If yeah. one of those boys could put the ball over the line, they would have been up by twenty. If you could have one <coughs> bet, you want to have one bet this week, you're going to have two bets. What do you reckon? I'm having two. Uh, I'm going a multi storm minus three and a half into roosters minus three and a half, two dollars sixty one. And then I am going to go Parramatta head to head into Cronulla head to head, and that'll get you uh, two dollars thirty. Thanks for coming. Nice. Not bad. Good size. Uh, for myself, I'm going to take the Storm at home, 1-12. to 12. I think that'll be a close game. Uh, I like them to get away with that one there. And on the flip side of that, on the flip side, similar to yourself, I like a multi, and it'll be pretty much the same as yours. I like Eels and Cronulla. I was thinking about adding a bit more juice to it, maybe chucking in a try score or something, but... Yeah, I just think those two head to head with the odds right now as they are at a dollar fifty and the dollar fifty two gets you that bit of juice. So there you go. We've both got Eels and Cronulla in a head to head multi, two dollars thirty. You've got Storm minus three and a half, Roosters minus three and a half at two sixty one. I'm taking the Storm one to twelve at home. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate on that side of things. So keep your eyes open, as we said, for any best bets and promos for the NRL and the NFL heading into that side of the season. Have a look at their NFL and college. Best bets package. The last two years have absolutely carved it up. 35 units of profit and a 13% profit on turnover, which anything double digits for professional punters is absolutely outstanding. If you're into the college and the NFL, have a look at that with the Pro Sports Syndicate. That's Dunbrook, week one. It's yep. on our doorstep. Some cracker games. Looking forward to watching some of that weekend. I said the same thing a couple of weeks ago. We'll try to do a game companion or two through the next couple of weeks because I'm sure we'll be watching a couple of these games together. Considering we yeah. might, we probably go to a couple in Sydney, but uh, yeah, any that we're home and got the opportunity, we'll chuck up a game companion. That's for sure. But there you go. Nine games left. Who will be the premier? We'll find out. The race begins right now to head towards the 2019 NRL Grand Final. Another huge week here on the fifth and last podcast. All the in depth, all your fan questions answered. The last thing to do, everybody out there, jump onto iTunes, rate and review us. There's still some people plodding along. The numbers are huge. There's not enough rates and reviews. If you listen to the show and you love it, give us a rap. Help us out. Give us a bump. Get on there. Rate and review us on iTunes. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.